everyone and welcome to the monday lorians here we discuss all things star wars on you guessed it a monday we explore the stories themes characters and have a long a lot of fun along the way some might say too much fun sometimes <laughs> uh, but i am jake your host and i'm with me with me as always is dave hello hello Good to be dave. back yes yes we are this is a new situation for the monday yes. lorians because we've never had to cover two shows <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. I almost feel like as if we're on a train and like Niall and the guest of uh, Mandalorian are on an adjacent train and we're like looking at them from the window. <laughs> yeah, because we're like 12 episodes ahead of them. Yes, you know, yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. We're like, yeah, see you later. Like, but in terms of the release of these two episodes, it's just these actual podcast episodes. It's just funny to think of uh, them both at the same time and hopefully people enjoying them both equally. Not at the same time. I don't think you can hear four people speaking all at once no uh, talking about two different shows <laughs> yes yeah. so i don't know how that would work <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah uh no yeah so if if for people who maybe haven't listened to our mandalorian uh, review yet we have decided because of the workload me and dave will continue running the fort here on the bad batch discussions still doing every two weeks with double episodes which i think has actually been working out quite well considering mm. the episodes yes. in the pairs which we'll discuss um, and niall and Guests will just be covering The Mandalorian week by week, following the adventures of Din and Grogu. Uh, but we won't be talking about this today, uh, The Mandalorian. We'll be talking about The Bad Batch. So we're going to be discussing episodes 11 and 12 of season two of The Bad Batch, titled Metamorphosis and The Outpost, respectively. Uh, Metamorphosis is directed by Saul Ruiz and written by Sabia Pirzada. And The Outpost is directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and Brad Rao and written by head writer and executive producer of the show, Jennifer Corbett. So, Dave, we got a, a lot to talk about in these two episodes. But first of all, how, how have you been, man? How's, how's life going with you? Yeah, not bad. I feel like I've been to like Mount Tantive and I've uh, <laughs> been having some rest and I've uh, come away just like, oh, where have I been? <laughs> I've been brainwashed. But uh, no, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to start the years and again through winter and everything like that. So it's been a few adjustments and stuff like that with work and everything, a few trips, but then also a lot of illness and things like that. So I'm glad to finally be feeling healthy. And now we're coming into spring, then hopefully that means that illnesses go away and I won't be like feeling the lurgy and sounding rough on <laughs> all the podcasts that I do. So yeah, I'm I'm doing good. And yeah, it's interesting having two Star Wars shows to watch at the moment especially when there's not as much franchise stuff as we know with things like Marvel, which in some ways is actually strange now to not have a superhero show to watch, which I kind of was enjoying for a while. But now I'm like, oh, this is weird to have it be this amount of time. I think they're doing the right decision. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I need to actually scratch that itch of more franchise, fun, fantasy stuff. Not necessarily a superhero program, but I think... I don't want Star Wars to be my only outlet for mm -hmm. fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, I think we kind of were so spoiled with last year where yes. so much came out between 
the Star Wars shows, the Marvel shows, House of Dragon, Rings of Power, mm. uh, all, all these huge fantasy sci-fi shows, it seems that like, all the studios are like, we need a break. Yes. Let's yeah. just get, we'll yeah. pull the break, breaks on things at the minute. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's not Marvel. Uh, Lorian's here, but um, I agree that I think the right decision is for them to pull back mm. on some of their releases. But uh in, you know, speaking of releases, I've been doing okay. And I, I just wanted to kind of get this thing off my, off my chest first. Yes, are you okay, Jake? I will ask you the question yeah, no, <laughs> just in I, case it looked rude that I wasn't no, like, no, oh, we don't need to no, Jake. No, I, I'm doing fine, man. Just really busy, man, between, yeah. between work and studies. But uh, uh, don't really get much time to myself and doing this podcast as well. Uh, but I love doing it. So it's it's fine. It's fine. Yes. I, I feel like um, just uh, Hunter just sighing every time. It's like, well, I got to get this done then, don't I? You know, yeah. you know like the, the, you know, the, the rational side of me is like, I've got to do this. Mm. So. And we know that we're all like teeing up for the finale in terms of celebration in which ah, we'll all yes. be united. Yes. And, you know, like that kind of so thing. So excited, Dave. It's um, less than a month now before celebration starts. And, you know, they released the full panel lists, you know, uh, started releasing, you know, pre-sale merch and all these things to get you excited for for the convention but dave yeah i am so excited can't wait to have you and all of our star wars pals in london celebrating this funny little space story that we like yes, it's just yeah. kind of crazy that this weird little space story has got this huge convention dedicated to it but yeah i'm very excited panels look amazing uh, particularly excited for that. I know you are as well, that 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi panel. Definitely, yes. Yeah, that's one which I, as soon as I saw then, I was like, oh, this is, you know, perfectly teed up for me. So yeah, I'm very happy that that's happening on the year I'm able to go. Yeah. Come celebration, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. So we'll find out in uh, less than a, a month's time. Exciting. But um, let's move on to the main event then, the Bad Batch episodes 11 and 12. So we'll discuss the first one, Dave, mm -hmm. Metamorphosis. So I'll start with you. What were your overall reactions to this episode, especially that opening? Mm. I just want to get your headspace. <laughs> You're sitting at home in the dark. You're like, ah, time for some nice <laughs> fun with the Bad Batch. <laughs> nope. Ah! Straight horror. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess in a way this kind of the tone was a bit spoiled for me in the sense I think Star Wars I don't know if it was the day it was out but or the day before but they showed a little clip in which it was that initial scene in which like it's the clone trooper running away so already I was like oh okay this is where we're going so I already had that expectation I knew so it, well, I didn't unfortunately have the kind of like oh you know fun adventure like oh my god didn't expect this so I knew what we were getting in that sense doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it any any less or, you know, respect it for what it is. But I guess it kind of like as a big Clone Wars fan, etc., and a fan of this series so far, it takes me instantly into that element of like, ooh, okay, this is what we're getting this week. You know, this is the genre which we're having, which as we've discussed off air, is some of our issues we have with other projects in terms of like, oh, okay, it's this thing again, you know, or it's this same vibe the entire show. So I think that you can have good and bad effects. I think that, you know, sometimes you might have a genre tease at the beginning of a Bad Batch episode and you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's a bit disappointing. But I think that when you get something like tense, horror, sci-fi vibes, it's hard not to be excited by that because of how many good sci-fi horrors there are. So yeah, I was instantly like, okay, I can see why this is going to be a good one. But boy, I didn't expect how good it was going to be because... 
I think this is the testament to a good Bad Batch episode, even opposed to what I think has been some of the best of the season with something like the, um, I don't know, what do we want to call it? The Palpatine arc or, you know, oh, yeah, they, you know the, yeah, the... the whole, uh, you know, Chuchi uncovering the, you know, the conspiracy and everything like that, the destruction the conspiracy of conspiracy arc. We'll yes. That, yeah. So I think that even with something like that, it was still very singularly focused on the tension of that situation and telling that one story. Whereas I think here it's very effective that they've gone, it's half horror sci-fi adventure and the Bad Batch running away from an alien, but also it's this other thing which is leading to the wider, bigger story, which to me, again, is what is successful about Bad Batch and always has been is that element of this still a trajectory. We still are going somewhere. Even the filler, you know, quote, uh, episodes have a purpose and there is a reason for them. I would say maybe season two does have one or two exceptions to that, which I'll omit. But I think that this type of episode and the next one show that even with those episodes, there's still somewhat of a purpose to the overall story. I don't think there's ever been an episode of bad batch which has ever been like oh it literally was just that was a one-off and like it had no purpose in the story everything counts yeah i i really enjoyed the vibes of what we instantly got and yeah overall i was just amazed that we had two gifts in that sense especially you know like a reference to something from clone wars which I'm so looking at reference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, early, you know, is getting referenced and then goes there, you yeah. know? So yeah, I, I, uh, I had a very fun time with this episode and I had a fun time, but also was like, as you know, probably from my taste and the way I enjoy stuff, I was like, Ooh, it's so juicy. And we're getting all the drama. Yeah. It's very sad in my mind that I like, as soon as a ship like quietly comes into this scenic situation and a man is there like, where is the prisoner? It's like, I'm like, ooh, I love it. You know, with like the one glove. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just, I, I just like that it takes itself so seriously. And like, there's this man who's like, uh, Dr. Sort of, Hemlock. Yeah. Who's like just talking to this long necked white alien, you know, about like what he wants out of them. And then he's like, get the other wi long necked white alien here. And I'm like, this wouldn't happen in any of the Star Wars project at the moment. I don't think, which is unfortunate unless it's yeah. in animation. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, one, it's testament to animation and the types of stories that, you know, Lucas film animation is telling. Um, but also just, yeah, like this kind of stuff that I vibe with and appreciate. And I think that, yeah, it's just fantastic that when you even look at other animated shows and stuff that they are still able to kind of go, we're taking this seriously. We want to tell a compelling story. We want to have some kind of like drama to it and i said that in bad batch season one i loved how seriously they were taking the kaminoans the fact that there would be scenes on camino with just the prime minister talking to like nala say and different characters they don't have to be like oh it all has to be about the bad batch oh we can't show this boring stuff with the cloning aliens i love how they're like yeah let's do that and let's show like the cloning aliens and how they're a part of this bigger story because as we've said before, like it's unfortunate in live action. It's like, oh, the aliens are just the villains or they're just the comic relief. So yeah, I continue to love how they're kind of bringing in new characters, especially human characters as well, which like you said, with the doctor, you already again, the vibes of like, oh, this is who this guy is. Similar in Mandalorian, I think with like, is it Dr. P Pershing? Uh, Dr. Pershing, yeah. Pershing. Yeah. Like you 
his look is very like you're like oh i get it i know what this character is probably an associate of one of these clones exactly they're all wearing the same guy so i think yeah. that that's what is cool and i think that's where star wars does work and has had some of my favorite elements was again other projects have still had the like oh it's just some pirate guy and he's just dressed as like every other bounty hunter you've seen before and you're like okay so that type of stuff isn't as interesting to me. So that's why when I'm seeing these visuals, seeing these characters get introduced, I'm very much like, ooh, you know, what are we in for? And I love the, like, you know, the manipulation and the plotting and the wider story is trying to tell and bringing in, like you said, it isn't just about the Bad Batch. You've also got Crosshair coming in, the Bad Batch coming in. They're setting up all the pieces and I'm hoping it has a great payoff in the in the end season. Yeah, I think it will. And, and at the same time, like, I don't see this show like slowing down. Do you know? I don't. No. I don't see it like. Oh, we're coming to the end of the show. I can yes. feel. You know, I can see this going for at least two more seasons easily. Mm. Um, but yeah, man. Like for me, what I've been loving, I really loved the Bad Batch season one. Um, surprised how much I loved it because going into, it, I was sort of like, sure, like you <laughs> yeah. know, a show about these guys. They were fun. Sure, yes. why yeah. not? Like. But it completely surprised me of what the show is. And like you're saying, it's not just focused on the Bad Batch. It's focused on the era of this transition from the Republic to the Empire. And that includes a lot of factors. It includes Sheev. Mm. It includes Kaminoans and Tarkin and Imperials and you know, doctors and scientists. It's it's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of uh, pieces on the board and Palpatine behind it all, man. Mm. But, um, uh, but the thing that I've loved more about season two, which I just think kind of happens once you you know you get to know the characters you get a feel for the show as writers and as directors um the voice actors as well getting to know their characters better where this season i've just been floored by the mood mm. and atmosphere of every yes. single episode um these two episodes in particular where the opening scenes you're like i know exactly what tone i'm in for yes, right yeah. now uh you know, Kevin Kiner's music, the guy's doing the Lord's work. Mm, yeah. Like, I think I mentioned this to you recently. He seems to be getting better in his career. Yeah. Like, some of the stuff he's producing at the minute for The Bad Batch is phenomenal. Mm. Sets you right in the mood. That's... He's just killing it, man. Absolutely killing it. And, yeah, with this episode in particular, from that opening, I didn't see that trailer thing, the mm, no. sneak peek or anything like that. So, as soon as that opening shot came in, I was like, oh, what are we in for here? And then you get that it's very specific how they're lingering on these shots. We first get the ship. Then you get like the, the pilot area. Then you go through a hallway, you know, mm. it's all being very deliberate and specific. Um, and then instantly I sort of tapped my girlfriend. I said, we're doing alien. We're doing yes. star Wars. In alien. <laughs> yeah, you know, getting excited. Cause alien is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I just love that combination of cosmic sci-fi horror. I just yeah. think it works really well. And even though star Wars doesn't do horror often, I found when Star Wars does do horror, it does it pretty well. Yeah, um, and you know, not to this to the point where young kids can't watch it. No, uh, but it still sends chills. Like mm. every time I I rewatch this opening scene because this opening scene is perfection to me. Um, even with the clone commando, like you know, if this was like some random weak way mm. <laughs> or something like yes, that, you'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, you know, a monster gets him. Yeah. This is a clone commando. And for me that- I was thinking that. Instantly ups the tension and terror 
of whatever this thing is coming mm. up to him. And also the visuals, just the fact that like the glowing blue helmet and everything mm. like that. And the fact that those games, even if you look at those, they're very much like Mass Effect kind of alien-esque yeah, yeah. films. So you already, even if you're a fan of those, or even if you're a, a Star Wars fan, which has a vague understanding, that already gives you the vibes. But even if you have no understanding of like, you know, Republic Commandos, I think I still think the aesthetic of that still... You, you can sort of see like, oh, these guys are serious business, yeah. you know, compared to like, just the, the regs. Yeah, you know? and it's also like, this is harder, I don't know if I would say like harder sci-fi, but it's it's going down a kind of like visual aesthetic which makes you think, I, yeah, I don't know, it's yeah, hard no, to explain. No. It's 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 more like Neo- It is, it's, it's got that vibes. And, and I think what they kind of did with this episode is that they split it right down the middle and, mm. I, and they, I pretty much to the minutes, because it's a 30 minute episode and I looked at my- um, a phone when i was just doing a rewatch and exactly 15 minutes in it changes tones so you have mm. the first 15 minutes which is like this sci-fi alien akin type of you know monster in the dark we don't quite know what it is you know you got flashing lights can't quite see it to which is like you said is more hard sci-fi in a way but then it just goes completely fantasy and turns into a kaiju movie. Yes, yes. You know, with the Zillow, the Zillow baby, as I'm calling mm. it, mm. turning into the Zillow beast. Um, so, and I just love that animation can do that, you know, mm. as, and especially Bad Batch where it's like, hey man, you know, I can just imagine Jennifer Corbett, uh, Matt Machenovitz, who's the story editor and all the writers, directors would be like sitting around the writer's table and go like, let's do a Western. Yes. Let's do a kaiju. You know, yes, let's have yes. fun with this, you know, yeah. because we can do that. And for me, that is really embracing the spirit of George Lucas. Mm. Because if you look at the, the original trilogy, as we were discussing, we return a Jedi, it's got all these different elements, you know, and some people even complain about what well, that Tatooine element adds nothing to the plots. And I'm like, shut up. Yes, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's fun. Like, yeah. Uh, and then you look at the prequels and then that's when George was like, I'm going to do it all, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, uh, you, some criticisms I have, I've seen of the prequels is like, well, it doesn't follow the structure of a film. And I'm like, well, yeah. Mm. Have you any, like, that's the point. Like, yes, he was yeah. trying to do something different and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and mix all these different genres. I totally understand if that doesn't work for you as a viewer. I totally get it because if you stick to one tone and it works, it can work very well as demonstrated by Andor, mm. where that was a pretty consistent tone and mood throughout. It didn't go to different areas. It was, that was its thing. Very successful in what it wanted to do. Um, but, right. al but also Lucas is kind of inspired by serialized television, which is what is interesting, what we were talking about at the start and what I was saying about like me feeling that Star Wars is suited to television and I might agree. have yeah. a future there predominantly as this main vertical, if you will, is that, yeah, like because it's inspired by things like the Flash Gordons or like, Buck you Rogers know, like all yeah. that kind of stuff. Then the already, like you said, with the prequels, there's that element of like a serialized story and a kind of like, you know, adventure of the week, if you will. But I think Bad Batch is also doing it well in problem the sense resolve, of- Problem resolved, problem resolved, problem resolved. But yeah. it's also not going like, I um, let me try and think, it's not in a bad way, but like, you know, it's not like visions in the sense of like, now there's this, now there's that. That's even no, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. no, but what I mean is that they're not going like, Bad Batch, not style wise, what I mean is they're not going like, this week is comedy, this week is- no horror you know it's not being like very on the nose of like jukebox star wars i still feel that a lot of the genres are kind of blending and, yeah. and feel very succinct with each other yeah i totally that's what i mean if it's done really badly it mm. can be quite jarring yeah and i can and even i can admit some elements in the prequels are like that you're like yeah. oh okay we've gone yeah. from this to this 
like that, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. the editing pacing could what we've had those discussions for 20 mm. years, you know. Yeah. Um but with I just find with the bad batch it's perfectly done. Mm. You know, each episode is getting a different tone, a different mood, a different atmosphere, but it's still within the same mood and tone throughout the entire show. Mm. And it's all building towards a certain goal. And what I love about the execution of this show is that, yeah, it is a slow build. It is standalone weekly adventures. But I hate the word filler because they're not filler. Mm. They are all leading up to something. Every episode, you learn something about either one or two or all of the characters and its character development. I mean, you could argue about that um, a couple episodes back when... They went to go to the to the mines, you know, for Sid. Oh, that good. That's you could argue. Oh, yeah, that's yeah filler, I think that's, that's the only one to me that stands that, out. That's filler, and I'm like, yeah, but how much did we mm. learn about tech and yes. Omega and how they deal with change? How oh, yeah. tech? Oh no, sorry, that episode. I yeah, I completely agree with you. The yeah. only one I think stands did you, out. Did you mean the following one, the one with the like the as I call Dickens in Star Wars, where like <laughs> the, the child laborers and all that? Was oh that no, no. What I'm thinking of is that episode where they. Uh, indiana jones and they go to the temple and oh, like it right, yeah that to me was very much like uh completely diverting yeah, no, you no, know that, the story yeah, and, uh, that to me it doesn't seem to have like really succinct to anything else in this season i don't get me wrong i enjoyed it but i think there was an element and but i did see an argument from star wars explained which even said that could be seen as a kind of like a lead up to the fact that a character like hunter would be like what are we doing why are we doing these random adventures we should yeah. be focusing on that's something. what i mean so I, I would say that it did lead to maybe someone like echo's thoughts later on so that's i think they're all learning something in, in that episode in particular and for me the more but i don't want to talk about that episode but for me the power of that episode was that it was talking about the power of myth and yes, storytelling yeah. yeah and how that i don't have the answers but you know it's no. fun to be on the adventure you yes, know and stuff yeah. like that and i think hunter was learning something through that but my point is, <laughs> is that it's all building up to a certain moment. And this was this in this episode in particular was the beginning of that moment. Mm. Um, and I put here, you know, that it's great Hunter patience payoff, mm. you know? Yes. Be patient with the show. Be patient with Hunter. Hunter, I've always thought he's, oh, he's got the right ideas, but he's, mm. he's just too stubborn and strict sometimes. And I get he just wants to protect the batch. Omega, I get it. But for me, him saying... At the end of the episode, send the information mm. to Reco. Uh, Reco. <laughs> yeah, that's the couple name yeah. out there, Reco. Reco uh, to Rex and Echo. That was a huge fist pumping moment for me. That was exactly like Kino Loy, Andy mm. Circus character in Andor, saying no more than 12. Yes. Yeah. Because you've been building to this moment of Hunter trying to figure out what to do in this galaxy, mm. how to best, you know, be a parent to Omega, and keeps on getting berated from Echo and. Some of the other, and even Omega sometimes of like, we should be doing more. We mm. should be helping people and stuff like that. And you have Hunter like, I don't know, like, you know, like, mm. and then, but it builds up to this moment. So this is a huge payoff. Mm. So, and, and I love how we don't get him in the next episode. So I'm hoping to see more of that payoff as we come up to the mm. conclusion. But also, interestingly, both of these stories, you know, without going too much into the other episode, are both, you know, I don't think it's as much Aussie because it's just not that episode because there's many characters in the first one as opposed to more of a kind of focus on two in the second but i think ultimately is that what is clever about this show even from the beginning of when it started this almost seems like something that they've planned all along is the like how do two members of the batch who are maybe the most independent or the most polarized deal with losing all of your purpose and what 
do you want to achieve? How, how long can you fight what might have to be your destiny in a way? So I think it's a similar vibe there of like crosshairs definitely in similar ways tried to fight potentially what he's getting drawn into while also not knowing what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And I think Hunter in this has had the exact same arc and situation pretty much. And yeah, I think that it's interesting the well, you know, one, like you said, is we're talking about the way that these characters are growing and the way that this storyline is going. And I think, yeah, definitely the creators have got that kind of vision of how they want the series to go. And I think I just respect that they want, they are willing to tell that kind of story and to treat everything kind of like seriously and to have this like element with the Kaminoans, with the Bad Batch, etc. And I think I mentioned Denial before, what I really think is impressive well another thing i was gonna say about the genre actually was even if you're looking at the element that they're going from horror to you know different genres etc i still think there's an element of say the palpatine conspiracy arc that's a you know it's a political thriller if you will but there's still a kind of like scariness to it of like oh my god this character who's like taking over there's the galaxy throughout, there's yeah. a tension so then it leads into horror quite nicely and you kind of feel that this is still of the vibe of the show like you said you're not like oh where's this come from like why is this show doing this all of a sudden it's been built in and like you said through things like the music and it's funny that you brought up like you know how they're approaching atmosphere because that's something that i noted down as well is how Again, I don't know, even know if it's just an animation thing, but I, when I think of examples, I think that sometimes animation is what is able to do this so successfully because it's able to utilize its visuals, its music, its cast most succinctly because obviously, one, they're in control of how a character looks. They're in control of like control how, of everything. you know, they want the mood and the music to match what the visuals are. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're outside, you can't control the sun. So animators can do that. So what I was thinking in my head is that, you know, they are creating a sense of presence and atmosphere, which is the type of stuff which I would compare to uh, Batman, the animated series mm -hmm. or Avatar, the last airbender. That, so these are the two comparisons I'm sort of making in terms of like two shows which don't go like we are creating a children's program. No, they are creating an animated series which can be enjoyed by anyone. And I think that's the difference here. I think despite my problems with things like Rebels and Resistance, etc., I think that they are still testament to the power of Lucasfilm animation and what they're able to do. But ultimately, I still think there's an element of like Disney XD. This is made for a Fair channel. Point, yeah. It's made for a kid's ch channel. Whereas I think we are now seeing the freedoms that's allowed when you're on Disney Plus that you're not making it for Disney XD anymore. And I think you've seen that across every Disney Plus kind of show. Mm -hmm. You know, that more creative freedom and that, you know, ability to not even be limited by things like adverts. Even like Rebels, you know, is ultimately just going to have bits in which it fades it, it out. Does. And, you I've know. been doing my Rebels weed watch and you have the moments of like... <gasps> Ad break. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that helps the atmosphere of Bad Batch, especially. Um, yeah, I think the fact that when you look at the fact that it's an animation studio with 15 years experience, you can see how the shows have grown. You can see how Clone Wars season one has now, you know, evolved into the Bad Batch season two. And that we're able to get things like these this atmosphere, this tension, this like these beautiful scenery, and even just the performance from the characters. Again, I'll go into that in the second episode. But uh, yeah, I think 
where I've mentioned Batman, the animated series, Avatar and stuff, I'm like, where's the Bad Batch conversation? You know, I think Clone Wars, there's always the consensus of like, there's these arcs and everything like that. And I think that's understandable because as we've said, they've grown so much and they were experimenting a lot more and the animation was a bit ropey sometimes, etc. Overall, I still think it's a fantastic show, but I think Bad Batch is definitely the more polished, sophisticated show Whereas I use Batman the Animated Series because it was like, that was like that from the get-go. Mm. And Bad Batch was like that. It was brilliant from the very first episode, whereas Clone Wars took a bit of time. Took, to sort Took of get, a lot to get there, yeah. Took to, you know, it was fun and then it got excellent. Mm. Whereas, you know, I think Bad Batch has been excellent throughout. So why does it not get and, that and I, appreciation? Uh, and so. I, I would say the same... I know you have your, your feelings on Rebels, but I would say the same with Rebels of like season one, you know, mm. it's not quite. And then, you know, by season two and three, yeah. ah, okay, we're, we're developing now and you're getting something really good stuff. Like, Yeah, so why, yeah, it's, it's strange to me the Bad Batch still get doesn't get that love and appreciation it deserves, but maybe it will once it wraps up or once it's finished and maybe. people are able to see it in its entirety. But also it goes to show why people's criticism of even I'm going to defend Mandalorian season three here of people being like, oh, it's too dark. And like, you know, it's like uh, you, you, it's a bad episode because you can't see anything. I'm like, there's moments in this episode in which you can barely see anything. And that's purposely done in one reason because it's a horror episode. But they specifically and in episode the second episode we'll talk about they're specifically using lighting and darkness for a specific reason so you have a problem with it in one show but you don't have it in another show you know again like if i was to look at a website's review of the bad batch you know the metamorphosis and mandalorian episode two would they bring up those same criticisms i don't think they would and i think it speaks to the bias and misunderstanding of animation which is Absolutely. annoying i think that they would you know potentially i'm not you know saying this is the same for everyone but i think a lot of reviewers would go into it like yeah that was a fun animated episode that was serious that gave me the kick-ass things i wanted it's like well if you have those technical problems with this in one show why are you not bringing it up here does that not almost suggest that maybe your technical problems were misguided in the other show and actually you're talking about story and script and not technical elements is you know i think that the the, totally the, the approaches mean, of like these shows in some ways are baffling to me so and i think it's it's telling because it's obviously a much smaller audience with bad batch which in some ways i'm glad because it isn't dictated by a popular consensus of like this is what we want i'm like yeah the, you know stay away from bad batch because i don't want it to be i mean you know. i've said it for, since kind of the beginning of season two that it to me, it seems very obvious that Lucasfilm know the type of crowd that are going to be watching The Bad mm. Batch. And they are very specifically, uh, not catering, but they, they are making this show for them and yes. for this crowd. Because exactly. they know th these are these type of Star Wars fans, you yes. know what I mean? While the Mando, they appreciate it's going to be a bigger scale sort of thing. Yeah. They have more riding on Mando than the Bad Batch. Yeah, but so also can... there's the element, unfortunately, of like, there needs to be Grogu. He needs to do something cute. He does, he, he needs does. to do and something then, fun, you know, again, then, whereas there's no character like that here. And then this is where I'll just get my grumpiness out of the way, um, where if I was one of the team members of the Bad Batch, I'd be pissed. Mm, yeah. I'm sorry, but I would be really pissed that Lucasfilm decided to launch... Mando season three at the point that we can come into the conclusion of the Bad Batch, mm. you know, as we're getting to this really epic finale, what it looks like. And you release this show, which is always going to dominate the headlines, always going to overshadow the Bad Batch. I think it's really unfair, mm. you know, and whether that was done 
intentionally or not intentionally, probably not intentionally, it still, to me, it still sends a message. Yeah. Do you know? And it's, for me, it's just simple. There's seven days in the week. Yeah. Just move one of them. <laughs> yes, Do you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to have, like, I understand people had problems last year when you had Kenobi and Miss Marvel, you know, at the same time. I get it. But that's two different properties. Mm. One audience might not necessarily watch the other. Yes, yeah. Um, but this is the same franchise. This yeah. is, you know, you're telling it's very similar stories mm. with similar looking characters and yes, stuff like yeah. that, you know, guys in buckets. Yeah. Um, why are you having them compete against each other? Don't you want people to be speaking about the Bad Batch? Because granted, people, not a lot of people, you know, even before Mando uh, premiered, were talking about the Bad Batch. That's fine. But now there's no conversation about mm. the Batch because it's all Mando. And I think that's really unfortunate for the team of the Bad Batch because my own personal tastes, I think Bad Batch is a better constructed show yes. than The Mandalorian. Yeah. And I think so many people are really missing out on what this show is doing. Yeah. And it just gets overshadowed by Mando. No hate on Mando, okay? Mm. There's no hate at all. I'm enjoying it very much, season three. Um, but I just think there's certain elements about it that make me grumpy towards Mando because of Lucasfilm's marketing decisions, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's nothing on the show, but then it just affects my viewing mm. experience of watching Mando. Chrissy across that Bad Batch was better, you know? Yeah. yeah like, it just annoys me. So mm. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I'm glad <laughs> you did. Yeah, I, I just, because, you know, Bad Batch, this was meant to come out last year, yeah. and it got pushed back. And then it got pushed back again mm. in favor of live action shows. And it's just, it, yeah. it just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I understand. But anyway, back to the real good stuff, talking <laughs> yes. about the actual show. Now, uh, you know, because uh, to start off with that kind of like the big themes and stuff like that, one thing I found really rewarding about um, doing these shows every two weeks is that by complete coincidence, mm. A lot of these episodes seem to be paired up really well. You obviously mm. have two parters, yes, uh, and there's and there's also like spiritual two parters in a <laughs> yes, way. Yeah. And I found uh, these two episodes to be very uh, spiritual two parters because the main theme I found in this episode, Metamorphosis, and then it carried on in the next episode was uh, breaking points. Mm. We're getting to every character is getting to a breaking point now that we're leading up to something. It's a, you know, the theme of change. Hey, it's called mm. metamorphosis. You know, yes, it's, yeah. it's right on the nose as always. But I just kind of like that the stakes are now being raised um, because characters are being pushed to their breaking points. Hunter's mm. being pushed to his breaking point in terms of like, we need to be doing more, you know, send the information to uh, Rex and Echo, uh, all that sort of stuff. And then we follow up with... Um, you know, Sid, she's been pushed to a breaking point with these guys, you know, and she's saying, you've got to do me one more job. And then it just raises up the stakes with Sid as well, because we now see a interesting dynamic between them, between Sid and the Bad Batch after the last couple of episodes where she wouldn't help them out and stuff like mm, that. Yeah. Um, and I can actually kind of, kind of funny, This I wrote it in the comedy line, Sid's like, well, you found Nye, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I just love Sid sometimes. But I think it's interesting that they're also only shown her in holograms. So even that they are kind of suggesting, season one, you're there in Sid's club. Like, ooh, isn't it all cozy? You're now friends with Sid. She's looking out for you. She's a bit dodgy maybe, but she's giving you a purpose. Now, every time we see her, there's that distance, the separation. She's like this, you know, like you're not and even in the same room. And she cuts off the transmissions earlier yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, so there's already that element of by 
hologram's very nature, there is that coldness to it. That so they're already telling you again through animation, even if, you know, uh, Omega's there with their arms crossed and they're like, you left us to die and blah, 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 blah. Yes, we understand through that performance and through that animation that they are angry with Sid. But even through just the entire hologram call situation you are getting that sense of oh they're they're apart they're distanced so this they, relationship is becoming fractured yes yes, yes, yes so yes. i think that that's very clever and it's it, you're starting to see it to like the characters are noticing mm. it as well you know hunters you know when he says well what if we don't come back yes yeah. <laughs> you know and sid's like don't test me bandana yeah <laughs> yeah um, but even tech in his tech way you know says you know it'll be very troubling part you know cutting ties with sid the, perhaps it's more diplomatic way of doing mm, this, you know, it being yeah. very tech, but he understands that this is now becoming a problem, mm. but they can't just leave because of the amount of information she knows of them. Therefore, the stakes are risen. They can't just cut ties with Sid that easily. And yeah. I just think it makes for really interesting stories. Um, and then I also, this in this theme, we have the Kaminoans mm. being pushed to a yes. breaking point with um, Lamasu Lama and Nalase. You know, there. You know, uh, Doctor Hemlock is specifically bringing in Lama Sue to get to Nalase's breaking point, yes, to yeah. twist the knife. You know, yeah. to get her to actually conform mm. and work with the Empire. That's and what I was saying earlier. I love that they are willing to kind of go. Any other show would be like, oh, they're just the goofy alien thing. Nope. They might have to pry some information out of them. This is torture them or something like that. But it's actually about like, what is Nala Say's morals? What is her like? What is the motivation? What is the character which would work with her? It's it's great stuff. It just would be so easy to do a lazy kind of like these weird aliens like cloning. They want to find out about cloning and let's just do like a simple solution for oh, that. Oh yes, you know. I'll, it's I'll, like, but no, Nala say has got agency as a character i love it i love the zinger that she gives dr mm -hmm. hemlock where i'm sort of paraphrasing is like um my like um motivation to do scientific yes. work has been diminished since my civilization has been wiped out yes, by the yeah. empire i'm like oh that's a good zinger and i love uh, his response of just like what happened on camino was unfortunate which is such a like typical line of what we were talking about in that corruption thing that you would get that in government like today like the whole like that, 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 and prayers, that yeah. tragedy was so unfortunate yeah. but moving on to what we want and what i want it's like you are a part of the organization which organized to destroy that place I, and he's like oh. i always think of um that scene in loki yes very sad anyway yes <laughs> <laughs> but like, anyway but i also think like many governments at the moment that there's an element of them being like it was so sad what happened as if they didn't do that themselves yeah, yeah. it's so funny. remember to put um those flags on your profile pictures yes. and uh you know thoughts yeah. and prayers oh and all you that. know like rampart what a what a bad man that was it was just like and yes. it was the clones yeah. that couldn't disobey yes, his order yeah, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff um, and I just love the inclusion of this new character, Dr. Hemlock, yeah. because as soon as like the episode opens with the music and the mood, mm. uh, and I thought, wait, is this Dark Side? Because it's very similar music to like Justice League, <laughs> <laughs> Dark Side <laughs> theme. I was like, what's going on here? Um, and then he comes in, the mood is set. Yeah. You, you the don't glove, see his, you're the already glove, like, Ooh. He's like sorting out the glove. And I always, I said to my girlfriend, like, why is it always one glove? Like, so, <laughs> yes, you know, like, yeah. Why are like crazy doctors always got the one glove? Yeah. You know? Like it's, it's a thing. Like, <laughs> Um, and then he's got the scar, but I love the the execution of his reveal because you hear his voice, but you don't see, you only see the back of him. And then the slow walk, the reveal, his eyes, and then you see the mm. face as he's talking to Nala. Say, brilliant! And I just like how he is a representation of like 
Uh, Rampart, he's the main villain. Nope, not anymore. Empire bringing some new guy. Yeah. Guess what? He's going to get chucked out at the end as well. You know, and it's all manipulation. They're all pawns. They're all throwing into Palpatine's plan. Um, Lama Su even says as much to him. He's mm. like, and when you fail, you'll be in a position like me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And what I find interesting is it also kind of speaks to what we've talked about before about like aliens in Star Wars and human characters and it almost speaks to the evolution of the show as we spoke spoke about before so i think that like in andor one of the criticisms was like why is there no aliens around and you know in some ways i defended that in terms of like the vibe that they were going for and i think that this continues that kind of same vibe is that Kaminoans, for example this like weird utopian crazy looking aliens which come from that kind of prequel era have now been wiped out and then what I think Clone Wars would have done in a situation would have like this, you would have had a Christopher Walken alien come in like, now I say you're going to tell me where the plans are. But like, no. Cloning? Now I say. <laughs> that was the Clone Wars era in which, like, it, that what I'm talking about is not like production-wise here. I'm talking about like the actual, what the state of the galaxy was to an extent is that like, that was the wild, crazy spiders are admirals of armies kind of era. And to, you know, like almost what some of these characters are suggesting, like, you know, oh, you're used equipment, you know, that was of a bygone era. It's this idea that the galaxy is becoming colder and more like uniformed and like just like kind of drained of all of its life. And I think that that speaks to the characters we're now seeing that the fact that this villain is just a kind of like human, slick, black glove, you know, like short haircut kind of guy and every other character is kind of like, oh, here's this lady who has this like weird like fringe and these big goggles. And here's this other lady who has these like really scanny glasses. One, I love that for what I was saying about with Dr. Pershing, etc., is that they have a vibe and you you don't just Continuity, see that. Yeah. And you don't kind of go like, oh, it's just blonde lady with glasses. It's like, no, as soon as I see that lady with the fringe and everything, I'm like, oh, that's yeah, cool. Who's she? Who's that other lady? Who's, you know, like this guy with the glove, etc.? They tell you so much about the characters straight away, which, as like I said, is some of the problems I've had with some of the live action stuff that they just are so generic. Um, but I love like how this is still suggesting that kind of like erosion of the vibrancy of the galaxy and the kind of more kooky, strange characters, which is what Filoni and Lucas wanted the Clone Wars to be. It's like, oh, it's like the serials. It's the, you know, the opening was like, you know, danger in yeah. a galaxy, blah, blah, blah. This show... No, like opens cold, you know, where are we? This is not only showing the evolution of them as an animation team, but it's also showing the change of tone of the galaxy. and the evolution of the galaxy. Yeah, Yeah, so I think that, and like Andor, like I said, I think there's a deliberate reason then why you're showing, you know, less aliens etc much like the end of this episode get in the van we're taking you away well, <laughs> people people also kind of forget that the empire is xenophobic yes yeah. you know apart from thrawn yeah there's no aliens like working in the, well higher up anyway no. working in the empire is just not a thing that they allow and yeah it's like it's i completely agree. we're following the evolution of the galaxy how we open with in Clone Wars, we open with uh, last week and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. all that sort of fun vibe stuff. Yeah. And here we open with the oppression of the galaxy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's sad and depressing, but that's the state of the galaxy at the minute. Mm. And that's what all these characters at the minute are going through. They're, this is the big theme of change throughout the Bad Batch. You know, mm. How do you adapt to an ever-changing galaxy? How do you adapt yes. to an ever-changing society? Which... 
it's hitting very close to home, I would mm. say, as I, I think it, our world, we are going at the, at, through a big change at the minute. I think mm. culturally, socially, it, you may not see it, but I think we can all kind of feel it that there's a cultural change mm. happening in our real world right now. Yeah. For the better or for the worse, we'll find out. I don't yeah. know the answers to that, but change is coming. And I just like how this show is all about change and experiencing how different characters deal with change, which is why I really connected to the Tech and Omega episode when they were having that conversation because Tech's sort of view on change is very much like, uh, yeah, change affects me. I, I, you know, mm. Of course change affects me. I have to deal with it. But I understand change is inevitable. Change is a natural part of life. It has to happen. Uh, how do you deal with that? Omega deals with it very differently to Tech, mm. and she's trying to understand his way. And then here we have it with with the 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 Zillow Beast and and Palpatine and the Empire, where Palpatine is not allowing change. He's like, I've changed this. That's a straight line. I'm going to bend it at ninety degree angle, and nothing you can do to stop me. I am going to mm. control every single aspect, including cloning. Yes, you know, I'm going to control. You know. I'm not going to allow the Kaminoans to survive, mm. but I will control what they were good mm. at. It's know? a great line in this. And I don't know, it's again, something that you could imagine in a film or a, you know, a famous sort of like moment in a series of tech having that like, they didn't want to, you know, destroy cloning. They wanted to control, control it. it, you know. You're like, <gasps> you know, exactly. It's... That's all part of Palpatine's plan. It's all about control. And I found that especially with, you know, not just the cloning tech, but the fact that he wanted to control the, beasts like this zillow beast and which mm. i thought it was fantastic that they followed through on that from that sort of cliffhanger ending in the clone wars when we saw yeah. that arc you know and i think star wars fans ever since that have been always kind of like when are we going to get the zillow yeah. beast there you know because that, that what happened there uh, and i love how they you know approached it here and what i love about this episode in particular is that it's picking up on threads from the Clone Wars, but also mm. threads from the Bad Batch season one yeah. of like, oh, now we're bringing back the hunt for Omega because that was yeah. sort of pushed away for a bit. No, mm. we're going to pick up that thread yes. again now because we're going to, but it's for a different purpose. Now it's not because we need Omega and the DNA. It's not the Kaminoans after her. Now it's the Empire's after her yeah. for manipulation, for control. And what I like about it in terms of what I was saying earlier about like the web of all the stuff going on, it's like very clever writing in terms of like, they need Omega they want to find out who is this mystery ship that's flown off. Oh, do they realize actually they're the same group of people, which is one clever thing. So it's just and I the also fact th that everything's tying together. And I also think, um, not to get too much into the next episode, but then what yeah. happens to Crosshair at the end that's of the episode, say, the same you thing. know, it's not um, deliberately said, but it implies that, oh, this guy's useful. Yes. Let's get him because he's part of mm. that ship, you know. And, and he's uh, going to be in the location which we're possibly going there we to. Go. And, and that's yeah. how we'll bring back Crosshair coming up in confrontation with the Bad Batch. But we'll talk about Crosshair yes. in a bit. But, and um, what I particularly loved is, I wrote this one down, um, Dr. Hemlock's line, where he says to Nala, say, why does someone so talented prefer to rot in a cell instead of using their gifts to better the galaxy? Mm, and, and I thought he's obviously directly saying that to Nala, say, but I can imagine that very same question that Hunter is asking himself every day. Mm. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. What Sorry. are we doing? Look at the skills that we have. Look how good we are. And I like how every now and then they like to remind you how good the Bad mm. Batch are. Like, they're kick-ass. Yeah. They are the best clones. Yeah. 
we have good gifts. What are we doing with these? Well, I think that's where maybe my grumpy rant will come in is the, you know, like as we've said, you know, this has the timing of it's coming out at the same time as The Mandalorian and to not talk too much about that show. But again, Disney won, you forced this upon us because you're airing them at the same time. But it also speaks to one, why I'm enjoying The Bad Batch more and what I think they're doing more successfully than Mandalorian is that I think the Bad Batch is successfully like one, as I've just talked about there, there are such unique characters which are like, who's she? What's this? What's going on? As, so as, as I said before, I think that that is a testament to like building intriguing characters, which I think has always been a big element of Star Wars. But also I think Mandalorian is suffering from a lack of villain. You know, you look at Giancarlo Esposito's character, uh, Moff, name, Gideon. Moff Gideon uh, in Mando season one and two. I, I, I'm feeling like a very vacuum of a character like that in Mando at the moment. You know, there's no kind of clear villain. Whereas again, you've got this show here, which is like, let's go look at the Cam Noahs. Look, look at these evil people on Tantive Mountain. Let's look at Palpatine. Let's look at these guys who uh, are thugs in a racing arena kind of thing. There's just so many times in which we're like getting introduced to different factions, different like emblematic characters, such big personalities, not just here's some more pirates, here's some more like people which just want to steal Grogu for some reason, blah, 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 blah. I really feel just this sense of like, oh, this character, this character, they want Omega, they want her, blah, blah, blah. We've lost that a bit with Mando. We've not got that sense of they want Grogu. He's trying to protect Grogu. He's also a bounty hunter. Does he want to be a bounty hunter at the moment? Blah, 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 blah. Whereas I feel now season three is like, oh, well, we want to tell this story about Mandalore, but we also want to bring back in Pelimoto, and she's still the same character as before. Whereas here we've got uh, Sid, who's evolved as a character, and their opinion of her has changed. Pelimoto's just like, hey, I'm still doing the same thing I was all the other time ago. And it's like, Bo-Katan is like, yeah, she's along for the adventure. And it's like, it reminds me of like... Uh, Game of Thrones, when you had that like goofy kind of, oh, we're surrounded by the White Walkers, go run and get help from somebody who's like miles and miles away and they'll fly over with their dragon. It was the last episode of Mando was like, go get Bo-Katan and they, you know, they run off. Bad Batch isn't doing that. It's like telling its story with its individual characters, its individual groups. It doesn't feel like it's forced to be like, it needs to be about Grogu, it needs to be about this, it needs to be about that. It's more singularly focused and it's willing to kind of go Let's, let's give Nala say a morality. Why is she not willing to do this? It, it, Who's the villain? It's you funny know? you say that because you say it's more uh, singularly focused, yet at the same time, it's going to more avenues than Mando is. Exactly, yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. You know, it's, like, it's got like a a, a, a theme mm. with lot. That's the focus is the theme. And I think what you're saying there is like, what is the Bad Batch's purpose? And again, like you look at a character like Mando and that's so confused. You're like... He wants to be a part of a cult that we've been told is bad, but for some reason we need to support him, maybe join in the cult again, I don't know. Whereas here, you're like, it's a cloning show. This is what this vibe is all about. It's about clones. We are shown animal, which is a clone. People in Evil Mountain, which are trying to force cloning and control cloning. They have captured the people who invented cloning. <laughs> they are now in pursuit of of rogue clones who were like a special type of clone who are mutated, who happen to have an even more special clone with them. On the outskirts are these other two clones who used to be a part of the regs. And we continuously see other regs who are getting bitten by this entire system. And, and let's not forget, Dave, it's also about 
the Republic transitioning the clones out yes. so those stormtroopers can come in. Yes. So this entire show, and I think that's what's great about what the Bad Batch seems to be going towards, is understanding their purpose as clones and how cloning could change the galaxy potentially and how it's affecting lots of people, but also how it's kind of sort of echoing, forgive the pun, <laughs> The, he's not in the show anymore yes <laughs> echoing the vibe of the galaxy and what is happening so i think you were talking about themes one of the big themes i take away from both of these episodes is nature versus man yep yep and i think the organic versus the mechanical yes yep. and i think that we are seeing that not only in the sense of like you know we want to control cloning but there's this element of like well what about once they break free of their programming you know you look at a character in the second episode we're going to discuss today who's you know like oh you know we're good fo soldiers and we followed orders but he's starting to think outside of that programmed you know like good soldiers follow orders he's now thinking we were good soldiers and we were following orders but he's questioning what, that what did that get you yeah yeah so we are seeing how that kind of like programmed mentality is evolved and changed. And that's perfectly represented by the Bad Batch, which are literally, you know, engineered to be different and to be more independent and to have special skill sets and have a character like Omega, which is going to question more things and has a bit of insight into it because she was like Nalase's apprentice or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so, but... Her ward. <laughs> yeah, but also you look at the end of metamorphosis and there's that idea of the oppression of the galaxy going back to that whole aliens thing i said earlier and like the, you know the way that the empire is you look as well at the second episode with that command lieutenant you know like you were part of the empire he died for the empire serving his empire you were disposable under the empire Clone. <laughs> this idea of like you're all a part of the system you're all just numbers in a box and I think that this Metamorphosis episode speaks perfectly to that in what you see with the village. I love that idea of Just like... Just taking I think well. it's Scorch, is it, if I'm Scorch, getting yeah. my characters right? Yeah. He, like that visual of him just there stood, like just what, like as these people walk on, I loved that. That was one of my favorite shots of the episode because it just told you so much in just one shot. He is there obeying an order as he watches people literally get arrested for just for, seeing something. For seeing something. For nothing else than that. And I think that it, you know, the fact that they're rounded up and it's like, you know, World War vibes kind of, you know, like just round them up, like take them all, they've seen too much. And him just standing there with that glowing blue visor, helmet on, faceless person, as opposed to Bad Batch, which often now have their helmets off. Uh, the character we see in the second one, is it Mayday? Uh, yeah, Mayday, yeah. Commander um, Mayday, yeah. So the fact that he often has his helmet off as well. I think that, yeah, it's just very telling to what we're seeing. And in terms of the nature versus man element, I think that that's very well told by the Zillow Beast. Of course. You know, we've got, a, we've often talked about fallen order, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure if that's very Jedi yeah, vibes to go around alien. killing animal, animals. And again, uh, that has just popped into my head. So this wasn't a rant that was brewing. But again, Mando's first episode, giant dinosaur attacks, kill it, kill it, kill it, you know. Whereas Bad Batch here is kind of going like, 
this animal is like us, you know, like this is an animal which yeah. is being seized and taken away. I love the shot of just like claw comes down, takes oh. him away, grabs him. Painful. Cool. We have got the prize that we want. And it's all just for the purpose of what they want all the clones and the technology for is to better the galaxy in their, in their minds to yeah. kind of make armor and to make people invincible and to create unstoppable creatures that, you know, they can control, etc. So, yeah, I think it's fascinating how it's still, it's almost amending the mistakes of other Star Wars properties in that way. Well, what I took from like the Zillow Beast in particular is like you said, you know, all that stuff, but like it's about, um, how do I put this? So it's walking that line of the organic versus the mechanical in the sense of like uh, misunderstood creatures. Yes, you know? yeah, definitely. Uh, like, because, and it's this, you know, the second half of this episode is very much playing on that um, tradition of kaiju films, mm. Godzilla, King Kong. I think in particular, this one, King Kong, where, you know, the Zillow Beast saw the villagers, mm. didn't care. Yeah. Had <laughs> no interest in the village. It just wanted to eat on the, the electricity or the power mm. source there. And I would reckon the only reason it ate <laughs> the clones yes, in, uh, in the, the ship was because it was under attack, it was provoked, mm. and, you know, it had been tortured all its life. You know, perfectly logical reason why mm. an animal would attack. Yeah, attack it, its captors. Yeah. It's, its captors, absolutely. But you can see, inherently, it's not bad. It just wants to be left alone. Mm. You know, and that's, it was, the very purpose was when they first found it in the Clone Wars episode. Like, it was asleep. Yes. Yeah. But you activate it because you wanted to do weapons testing. Yeah. You know, I, I just, and it's all about control. And even That's that situation speaks, the entire sequence speaks to the strengths again of this show is that it's not just kind of going like, oh, um, the Bad Batch let out the animal and they need to quick, like go and stop it now. The show could have just done that. But they're like, no, let's bring in this other element. The clones the are Empire. arriving. Yeah. The Empire's arrived. Yeah. And now it's the Empire versus the Bad Batch versus the Zillow Beast. It, you know, it's very dynamic. It's interesting yeah. storytelling. I love that. I was actually good. That's in like one of my favorite action moments is that mm -hmm. final sequence because... Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I love that you can see the change in Hunter as well when mm. the beast escapes and he's like, we let it out. We got to yeah. deal. We have to yeah. clean up this mess. I love that from yeah. Hunter. You, you can already see the little bit of changes. Yeah. Like, Again, oh. would somebody like the Empire have done that? They'd be like, oh, you know, well, like, slick off. I oh guess, well. yeah. <laughs> let it kill the villagers and then we'll get it. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of thing. Um, but no, they were like, we're going to sort it out. And then we get, you know, going into it, you think, oh, we're going to get a good showdown between mm. that and the Zilla Beast the tension and action just gets upped because you have the Empire coming mm, in now. Yeah. The Empire after the Zillow Beast, the Empire after the Bad Batch, mm. you know, and the villagers are like, ah, it's great. Yeah, and all this sort of, there's so much happening and it just makes it for a really entertaining sequence. Mm. But also really painful in seeing that we're harming this beast and this mm. beast just wants to be left alone. Yeah. It just wants a snack. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, just leave it alone. And then to see it, that claw come up at, it was really painful to see. And I'm such an animal lover as well, so I don't yeah. like seeing things like that. No, exactly. That's my problems with Fallen Order as well. Like, yeah. Why do I have to kill this animal? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I will say though, and this is probably more the case for uh, the outpost, is that I think despite the problems with Mando and animals and stuff, it is interesting how Star Wars as a whole is putting so much emphasis on the mythical animals in terms of like, you know, Amen. the fact that the, you know, spoilers for Mando, but the fact that the mythosaur it comes into thing, you know, it's putting this emphasis on like the mythical creature and like, you know, almost like dragons and that yeah. kind of I mean, idea. That element I love, yeah. So it's almost the same here in the Bad Batch um, in the animals that they're using to kind of like signal 
chosen ones or certain situations happening and they seem to be doing that a lot more over the years again i'll go into it more with the outpost but yeah i think that that's interesting i also just need to iterate my reaction with the zillow beast as a clone wars fan as somebody who watched it as it came out in which literally like it's first of all i had the reaction of oh it's kind of cute like the way it's like tail was waggling you know i loved the scene where they're like have you, have you tracked it where is it too and you could just see a little waggling little tail go through the forest you're like oh he's a fun little guy you know this guy's cute tail and he's just like you said he's just hungry and then once you see him evolve, and he's like, you know, this is the creature that uh, attacked uh, Coruscant all those years ago during Tech the forever war. forever being the Wikipedia. He's like, yes. did you see and, this Clone Wars episode? And I was just like, what? Sorry, what? what? What did he just say? And then when you see it, I went, I literally went, oh, it's a Zillow beast. Oh, see, see, I already, even the cute alien, I was yeah. like, it's a Zillow beast. <laughs> yeah. I was tapping my girlfriend. I was like, yeah. it's a Zillow beast. <laughs> so yeah, big, uh, big love yeah. for when that happened. Uh, and yeah. For me, the, the, best moment of the zillow beast or the zillow baby i should say mm. is the first reveal yeah amazing yeah. like honestly when i rewatch it again i just rewatched it a couple of times because it's done to perfection mm. another thing about what this show and you kind of touched on this earlier what this show is really good at doing is utilizing every single element of storytelling mm. yeah so that is writing mm. uh music mm. sound design yeah mood just a uh, you know, dialogue, characters, interactions, everything, lighting, all of it. The, every element is being utilized to perfection to craft the story that they really want to tell. Mm, yeah. um, and like a lot of these episodes, <clears throat> I find you can need, there's so much visual storytelling, you don't need a lot of dialogue because it's all right there in front of you. And the reveal of coming up, you know, what's that sound, you know? And then the, 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 the torch, like, mm, where is it? And then they look yeah. up. They see the drool, the drool coming yeah. down. They look up, and then you see it with an arm hanging out of his, yeah. his mouth. And I just thought, oh, that's such a good reveal. As soon as Tech is also like, I'll go on my own to do this task, and you're like, don't do it. <laughs> you know, like it's the classic horror of like, don't go alone. And then yeah. Tech's like, I'll be fine. You're like, yes. well, famous last words. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. Any other like favorite action moments of like the, the metamorphosis episode as well um no i think i've like meant like i said that arrival as as you said at the village i think that that was fantastic and just the way the entire situation evolved and it didn't have to be too action heavy it didn't have to be you know hunter versus one specific person or anything it was just utilizing its characters while also having the menace of what was going on on tantive like you said seeing so uh lamasu also i think to be said i was surprised he's alive and yes, i thought when yeah. we saw that end shot it was very much alluding to a like we are shooting this person but apparently they were arresting him i still don't know if i buy or i would be maybe a bit disappointed when they said like is there any others from the species who survived and she's like the prime minister i'm like i hope you just said that because he's the most prominent and linked to her because i swear a few more survived when i saw that you know we we see that episode you do see a few more being taken away at the end so i hope that uh, yeah there maybe are just a few don't get me wrong i'm pretty sure the purpose of their characters and their species is to be like you know the extinct species so even if there was a few more out there i don't think that they would have much likelihood of carrying on after them but it's mainly for the fact that I'm like, you showed other ones being taken away at the end of season one. So why show that if they are dead? Or if not, maybe a missed opportunity that you could have shown a bit more death of the Kaminoans also, in that arc. that character saying that might not know the whole information as well. No. Like, there, could yeah. be, there could be Kaminoans hidden everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. We just don't know. But again, it's, it's, it's that great element of bringing everything together of like, we have the creature, fantastic. Yes. What else do we need? You know, like how are we going to, you know, work with Nala Say? And another, you know, this isn't an action beat, but 
like you said, her line to say, like, you know, I know what Emperor Palpatine wants, hey. and I want no part of that, hey. etc. Let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it what we all... It, like, what do you think she's referring to I don't think it is just one thing. That's why I'm talking about, like, I think it's impressive that, cl that yeah, yeah. Clone Wars and Bad Batches become this clone story. I think that the Empire... And I think I would be disappointed if it's just one thing. Because even when it was brought up in Mando, you're like, oh, okay, it's all leading just to this one thing in The Rise of Skywalker. I like the idea that they, like Tech says... They want to control cloning. I, I like the idea that it's being used for multiple purposes yeah. and multiple reasons. Aside from just Palpatine, like, I would like to be cloned. I think it's the element of, like, I would like cloned force users. Can we do this? I would like creatures to be cloned, animals to be cloned. Can we use their DNA, their armor to be mm. used in other places? To create the perfect being. To yeah. control. Yeah. Can we use people like the Bad Batch? Can we make more enhanced soldiers? Let's not also forget that clone which we saw, which was like a mind-hypnotized soldier oh, yeah, in yeah. the conspiracy one. So again, is that another avenue they're going down? So I think the this just seems to be this control of cloning is what I would hope it would be going towards yeah. rather than just, oh, we want to clone Palpatine. Yeah. I, in I, a way, I, I I almost hope that that's like the side project. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I totally agree. I think Palpatine's got like uh, lots of different yeah. projects and on the go. And and he's I got like, PowerPoint presentations yeah. for them And all. I would like Nala say to have the con the morality of being like, I don't want to see this happen in terms of like, it would destroy the galaxy. I don't think she would be on the, as, on the nose as, yeah. I don't think he should be cloned. I think she takes yeah, I, issue with everything he wants to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree because I don't think she would be privy to the fact that yeah. that he wants to I want to live forever yeah, yeah, yeah I don't think he's just telling people that no, you know no. like you know I don't I think he's gonna keep that particular one very close yeah. to the chest and I think that she as Kaminoans who've created what they think is like this great product and this great advancements of science and they love you know they I don't know if you could say they love the clones but they are very proud of their what they, they have produced so I think they would make sense for her as a scientist to then go like you are taking this too far. You're going to destroy the galaxy by taking it too far. We have created a people who have a age, you know, like a set time frame for them to live and for them to serve a purpose. That's all they are. Um, but what you want to do is monstrous or something mm. like that. So, Mm -hmm. playing around <laughs> but I, I i still like though that they didn't they weren't on the nose about it but they gave it's enough it's a mm. it's a line that just gives you enough to speculate yes yeah. and, to, and to wonder um and i do like i'm not saying this is fixing <laughs> the rise of skywalker but mm. i do like the extra layers of story that we're getting mm. that leads up to that you know yeah to, to leads up palpatine's ultimate plan Anyway, uh, last few, let's move on to the next episode. But before we do that, just a few. Uh, <laughs> I got to have my tech line. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. um, there hasn't these two episodes. There hasn't been lots of like comedy and weirdness. Mm. It's quite serious. But there is a couple tech as always. Um, my one of my favorite one is when the creatures like in that thing and it's all eating, mm. and tech comes out to it and he just goes fascinating, <laughs> <laughs> and I just love it because it's not a joke mm. but as i've always said with a lot of these characters they are just inherently funny through their character and tech is just fascinated with everything mm. uh, so it just makes me laugh that in this crazy big alien thing about to kill you in the most worst mm. situation ever he still stops to go fascinating yeah yeah that's him yeah that's tech and it's almost as well like the alien vibes of like he's like the android sort of character yeah, yeah. In a way. 
And then uh, the other tech line I like, um, given the fact that the crew was most likely eaten by the creature, I doubt it is currently hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I would have to equally highlight the great Omega lines of like us through her eyes of being like, it, it ate the crew. And, you know, like, so again, you're getting not only that childlike fear of like, oh my God, you know, we're acknowledging that, yes, this is a thing. She said, uh, what I love is that she says it twice. Yes. Because she goes, she, she repeats what yeah. Tech says. Then I think Rekka goes, you're not helping. You yeah, know? yeah. And then she goes, did I hit the crew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's adding to that horror vibe and the disturbing elements they're dealing with but also you know i understand kimono and tick and i'm like oh sorry you you understand kimono and tech or tick, tick. <laughs> i tick. i don't mind either yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about tech tech or kimono and tech <laughs> she understands it all yeah <laughs> I, I do love in this season the particular focus they've put on like the bond between tech and omega mm, yeah there's just been a bit more of a highlight i think yes uh, yeah. I, I really appreciate it i like it Anyway, let's move on from one horror-filled episode yeah. to a depressing, mm. somber, another episode. Um, as I said, Dave, like as soon as the Lucasfilm logo comes on and you get the you know the look, yeah. bad batch and stuff, then you get that first note of music before like there's even any visuals. I'm like, oh dear. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I like, think oh. as soon as you see Crosshair, you know you're in for a rough. You time. know you're in for a rough time. Um, which before we get into the episode, I just wanted to ask you up top. How have you thought, well, what are your thoughts on how they've used Crosshair in this season where so far we've only had him for two episodes mm. out of 12 so far? Um, I'll just say quickly for me, I think it's done really effectively. Mm. I, you know, th there's no part of me throughout the entire show that's like, where's Crosshair? Where's Crosshair? You know, yeah, yeah. let's bring him back mm. because I think... Where is Padme? Where is, is, is he all right? <laughs> he's not, he's, no, he's not. He's, he's doing, he's having a rough time. Unfortunately, he was left stranded and, on Camino yeah. for weeks on end and became a bit of a prune. <laughs> but I just think it, it's a testament to the writing where yeah. the easy thing to do is to have Cross on the hunt for them every week. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I like this spacing out this distance because it's also, like we said, with the, the tone of the show and following the tone of the galaxy, the way it's constructed with Crosshair is as his character is developing, he is so isolated now mm. from mm. everyone, even the clones around mm. him there in the Empire's quarters, that we don't see him in the show because he's there. Yeah. yeah. He's not with the batch. He's completely isolated. And now he has to deal with his choices. But how do you think? That yeah. No, I agree. It's similar vibes. I think we've already had that similar vibe of who better to chase the Bad Batch than, you know, one of their former members, this assassin, blah, 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 blah. And I think that it wouldn't work as well either if you had like maybe flip in between Crosshair and Bad Batch uh, within the same episode. But the fact that when we do get him, it's dedicated purely to him. I think that that more than makes up for the fact that he's in less episodes. And like you said, I think there's something to say about the, the lack of him, which is intentionally done to make you feel like he's more isolated. And maybe that there's an element of there's not much to tell. As he said in this episode, it's like, it's just another mission. You know, it's just the fact that... Just lucky. Yes. <laughs> so the fact that he's just like oh we're just protecting cargo and he's just like that's the mission you know so he, he, it's more like it has become a nine to five for him you know as i said in that episode in which they're you know like cross here to the office please and he's there like oh, i wanted to eat my chicken you know and <laughs> it's very much like he's just kind of going through the mundane life now and he's seeing his experience you know the experiences of other clones and he's torn about how he's feeling and i think that our detachment from that is kind of like intentionally done in the same way that 
I've said with other elements of the show is that they're intentionally not giving us this thing or they're intentionally showing us the differences between now and the Clone Wars to give us a better impression of what we're meant to feel. The Sid thing, for example. So the fact that we are now only seeing Sid through hologram and separated tells us visually, oh, there's distance between them and they are, you know, uh, backing away from Sid. Same with Crosshair. Like, you're not seeing Crosshair. There's not much to tell here. When you do see him, he's very isolated. He's very quiet. So I think that, yeah, there's, an, there's all purpose to this. And I think this masterfully done. And I think that it, it is good because it still feels like, as I said earlier, that there's this... I'm not sure if I would say that, like, Hunter is, like, at the forefront. But I think the batch as a whole mm -hmm. and then Crosshair come into these conclusions um, and kind of, like, experiencing similar or life-changing experiences at the same time. So, yeah, I think I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And then vice versa to that is that I love how Crosshair is going through this journey of of understanding his value, which I think is a big mm. theme in this episode, um, without having, you know, the traditional hunter, you are my brother, come yes. back to, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that dynamic no. that we've, you know, that moment happened yeah. in season one. Yeah, yeah. Hunter gave him that chance at mm. the end of the, you know, the finale, come with us. Yes, yeah. You know, we forgive you. Put yeah. this foolishness aside. Mm. He had the chance. He made his choice. And he decided to stick with the Empire. He's got to deal with that now. Mm. And now he's just becoming... I think what he's also doing is that he's pushing everyone as w away as mm. well. Yes. Because yeah. I think what he thinks is that everyone is going to abandon him mm. like the Bad Batch. Did. Yes, yeah. You know, we had that... The first episode we had this season with him and, and Cody. Mm. By the, You know, he was, he was getting on with Cody. Mm. They had a good relationship. By the end of the episode, Cody's gone. Yeah. And I would imagine... You don't see Cody go as well. So you again, don't see, he just, we, it's deliberately done, I think. It's deliberately done. And you can imagine Crosshair thinking like, well, Cody's just done a bad batch on me as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's just gone as well. Who do I have left? He like he sits alone at lunch. He He's sits, got no friends. Exactly. People walk away from him even, when he comes to the canteen. Even Rampart. Mm, Could yeah. you call that a colleague? Yeah. Even I, though Rampart treated but him But I like, do think the fact that like all you're seeing now is that like uh, Lady Imperial who just walks through. The fact that there's not like he has a new boss or anything. Exactly, I think that speaks I mean. to the fact that yeah. there's less. Even yeah. his boss who he didn't like, yeah. Rampart didn't like him, is gone now. Yeah. He has got no one. Yeah. And I particularly like how he's going through this journey on his own. And then when we get to this episode, he realizes through Mayday mm. what his value is actually worth. Mm. And... And I like that we're using different clones to help the other clones go through their journeys rather than, mm. you know, the, the I'm after you, you're after me. Yeah. You know, this. I think that's why it's telling, though, is that like the Bad Batch again is like, what is up? Like, I think that's why it's effective as two storylines to know what is their place in this galaxy now. You've got characters who literally, who literally are engineered and created for a purpose and Mayday says in this year, you know, like, I think uh, the line I put down is like, I didn't have much thought on the war ending until it did. And I'm like, that probably is every single clone in the army is the like, yeah, what happens now? What does happen to us? What, you know, what the, I, I like the idea that they were like, I didn't have much thought on it because it's like, it's the battle. It's the day. Today's mission yeah, is it's, this. It's today and this is it, what yeah. we're doing. And there's no thought of what would be after it. It's almost as if they're programmed to think that the you war will carry on. At the beginning of the episode, you know, you have those background clones yeah. of the war. The war. It's like, the Empire thanks you for your service. Yes, exactly. and, and they're like, but what are we supposed to do? Like, yeah. And it's as if the Empire is just like, we didn't think about that and we don't care. So I think that Crosshair is now realizing that. And I think apart from just like maybe what, like you said, what his value is, 
I think the sad part of his story is that he has realized that he has dedicated himself and chosen the side which actually doesn't care for anything. maybe anything, yeah. And I think that he was committed to this idea of like, you know, we follow orders, you know, we are soldiers and we've got a mission to do. But now he's realizing, oh, what if the mission is actually like to dispose of us? And he is seeing these people, like said, Cody and Mayday, dying before him he's seeing like he's literally gone to a graveyard essentially seeing all these empty clone helmets being like oh you know and he's seeing two clones at the beginning like you know who are also being retired etc and he's just silently there watching everything so he's he's taking it all in and he's like it's fine as long as i'm doing my mission as long as i'm doing my job but underneath all of that you can tell what is my purpose? What am I meant to do? What am I actually doing? And it's yeah. similar to what Tex, uh, Tex, it's similar to what Echo's storyline was of like, I have got a purpose. I need to go help Rex, etc. So I think he's feeling the same thing. So I think that the Bad Batch and maybe Hunter specifically of both and Crosshair have had two different trajectories of the same, the same story, yeah. mission mm. is that he's kind of gone like, no, we're soldiers, stick with it. This is what we're meant to do. We're meant to fight whoever's in charge. Uh, we're sorry, we're meant to fight alongside and take orders from whoever's in charge that is the empire he's then gone into that system and gone oh actually i didn't realize that this system is now against us and that my function no longer serves a purpose mm -hmm. what do i do now i'm seeing all these people who are affected you know because they want their uh, abilities and you know the the clones are some form of asset and they are also disposable to some degree and i am seeing how disposable they are becoming the bad batch is also seeing that and seeing that there's greater, more evil plans, so they know that they need to now fight against it and get involved with it. I don't think Cross is quite at that stage yet, no. but he's seeing that he's a part of a system which doesn't care for him, and he's just another piece, you know, in in the cog. So I think that yeah, they're both they both tried to figure out what their purpose is in the galaxy, in an army. Once the war is ending, neither of them had any answers but they thought they would just go along with what they thought was the best trajectory. Hunter thinking, protect the batch, live as best as we can, protect ourselves, stick together. Crosshair thought it was the other way, and neither of them have actually gone well. They've no. both gone, oh, actually, this isn't the best way. So I think that's what will be interesting to see where the end of season two, season three goes. Beautifully said, Dave. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's absolutely reflected in this episode. I think, to, t to tie to that, I think he finally realizes that with when Mayday finds out what the actual cargo is, it's, it's this gear. We could have had this yeah. gear. You know, it's been over a year and we know all this stuff. And then when he says, you know, we're good soldiers, we follow, mm. quoting Crosshair, yeah, yeah. followed orders. What did that get us? You yeah. know, the other thing. And I love that because you can see it in, again, this, the animation is beautiful. The stuff it can do with, mm. which I think, wow, where we've come from, where mm. like in season one of Clone Wars, where they were like blocks, <laughs> yeah. you know, like where like clothing was like part of their anatomy. Like, yes, it, yeah. Now it's just so detailed. Like this episode when he's like, unburies him from the oh, snow the, and, and he's and like shivering, shivering and like and then all the snow in the little gaps in the armor yeah. and stuff like it's, it's and it's as if he's literally going like i'm literally freezing to death here for this cause for this empire which is doesn't care for us and well, then to uh, well, get, at that point i think he's doing it for mayday well he is yeah, yeah but i point. think he's realized at that moment like what am i doing here like why this empire clearly doesn't care about me or this guy gets to the empire that's his last glimmer of hope like do you care about this man no get him a medic for god's sake 
he's dead. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, and the fact it's he was waste like, of the you, you could have helped him. I think that really st- sticks with him. And the, just the shot of just Mayday there dead and like his body becoming like cold and lifeless, mm-hmm. it really sticks with Crosshair and obviously leads him to his ultimate decision, which is very powerful. Yeah, I think uh, for me, like, one of the the biggest themes in this episode was, you know, a, a um, charming theme, mm-hmm. death. <laughs> death, you know, I, I thought this episode was filled with death. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's talking about, and it's represented, I thought, really um, powerfully in the ice vulture. Yes. Circling around that, yeah. also, and you get the few glimpses coming around. And I feel as if Crosshair almost sees himself it is yeah. in, in in the ice vulture and uh, the, the fact that you know mayday says oh you gotta admire them they're survivors though and cross mm. is like i'm a survivor as well you know i've had to survive throughout this change in the empire and what they're putting me through mm. and um crosshair is almost like the opposite of tech mm, yeah. in, in the sense of like tech understands change is acceptable but he just has to deal with it differently while Crosshair is very much like, no, yeah. this is what I'm good at. I will remain in this lane. I am a yeah. soldier. I'm a marksman. Yeah. This is why I'm going to continue like that all the time. But not until he's actually confronted with death all around him that he's questioned with this. And also even like, I'm a marksman. Oh shit, I've been blinded by an explosion, which I can't even do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and you get that, that was a great action moment as well, where like the big flash comes down and he has to take yeah, the helmet Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's as if like, It's yeah. just so good. And I think... Um, and then to opposite of that, we also get the big theme, I think, of Crosshair is the value of life. The value in general, I think, was a big theme in here because you you have what Cro- Crosshair values as himself, as a clone, as a person, um, as a soldier. And then you have this just couple of times throughout the episode, this idea of value is being talked about. You know, you with the cargo, you know, you have um, Lieutenant uh, Nolan, his name, mm. uh, where he says, this is of high value to the empire. Yeah. And he, uh, he also says, uh, it's not up to you to deem what's valuable to the empire. Mm. All this sorts of value. And I just think Crosshair's relationship with Mayday um, made him realize how much he is valued, how much the clones are valued in general, uh, to then, you know, everything, I, I, he's alone, but then he melts. Mm. When he when he's confronted when he's with Mayday and stuff like that, and I think like Mayday is almost like the poster child for a good soldier. Yeah, does everything right. He's a badass. You know, even when they're going up against the Raiders, he's like, "We can take him." You know, yes, like, yeah. all these sorts of badass, cool soldier stuff. But where does that get you in the end? You know, mm. that, that I think that's what Crosshair is trying to figure out in this episode, and then to get to that final moment of him shooting Lieutenant Nolan. Mm. Man, like, uh, I actually, I struggled with that moment. There's a tension for me in that moment because nothing in this episode is uh, giving you any sort of redemption or redeeming qualities or sympathy, empathy for Lieutenant Nolan. From the get-go, you're like, I hate this guy. Yes, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And there's a, and you know, in that moment, there's a part of you, I know I do, I was like, shoot him. Yes, <laughs> kill yeah. him, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, kill him. But then, She's lying. He's lying, you know? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you know, I, just, I wanted him to kill him. Yeah. And I think that is the tension there because I, I don't think it's condoning what Crosshair's doing. I think it's putting into question did what Crosshair did there, was that right? Mm. You know, it may seem like right at the time, but, you know, that, that's why I think, do you cheer for that? Yeah. You've killed somebody. 
But you think about the build-up to it, you think about the Cody episode, you know, in which the other Imperial was like, kill this person, they're yeah, trying yeah. to take me captive, blah, blah, blah. Cody's like, look, this, like, organize this, and who is the person who kills them? It is Crosshair. You know, he crosses that line, you know, he is willing to do that. You know, Rampart has told him to do questionable things in the in the past, you know, he's put out an order to literally kill, like, a group of hostages who were, like, trying to get off planet before, and I think at this stage, this is where it has gone too far for him, in which he's like, no, you know, I will be that, I will be Cody now, I will be that other person which won't just take an order and I will take matters into my own hands, you know, and mm. he's been pushed pushed to the brink, I think, and that's really effective. It would have been unfortunate if he had just sort of, like, settled, but I think we had built yeah, up to well, this enough. Th there we go. The What I said in the first episode, push to the breaking point. Mm. Here we have Crosshair being reflected in that, being pushed to the breaking point here. I think it's just masterful storytelling, this show, man. Mm, I yeah. just love it so much. Um, and it's it's not funny, but I did kind of find it funny that last the last moment after he kills Nolan, where all the stormtroopers gather around and they're sort of like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> it's like, hey, clones, yeah. just killed our commander. Yeah, yeah. How, how do we deal with this? Yeah, and they just like slowly like run up to him at the end. Like, oh, like, get away, he's gone. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, oh, he's he's dead. It's fine. You know, like the other guy's dead. It's so. Like, I, am, I get, I like the ending of like, ooh, you know, we're mm. back in here and, you know, uh, man, it, I was I would have loved it if they ended it that the fake ending, you know, where it went all black before he woke mm, up. Yeah, that would have been a great ending. Yeah, yeah. that would have been so good. But I get it. Like, but also, you think about his differences to Mayday in the fact that he I, it's very much like Western vibes. Again, it's like Crosshair's been compared to like that he's character. Got the toothpick, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, he is like the silent, you know, like Clint Eastwood type character. Whereas like Maydays, they're like, you know, oh, I'm the sheriff who's been like looking after these parts for many years. This is what I've learned. And I loved his line where he says, you know, all clones have had to improvise. And you don't, I've never thought about it like that. I was like, you think about them as like the Republic. They've been given all these, you know, here's some bombs and uh, here's yeah. a thing that cuts through this. And here's a, a gun that does this. But this is quite a different side of the clones, which we've not seen. Well, he says they've been waiting 36 rotations for yeah, reinforcements. Exactly. <laughs> but but it, what he is saying is true actually in a lot of circumstances. There's a lot of situations on different planets in which clones have had to go, yeah, we've not had to deal with zombies before. How are we going to deal with these zombies? We've not had to deal with witches before how we you know blah 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 so they almost were always kind of like improvising dealing with new situations trying to get around things and for that character especially i think that it kind of speaks to cross here quite a lot that he was like yeah you're right i'm almost become like this robot this like programmed droid in which i like do what i do and i do it well but i am able to improvise i am able to like kind of go out of my comfort zone and use my skill set and I think it was really telling that when he said, you know, did you have a, you know, a force? And I, I don't know about you, I expected him to lie. I thought he was going to say like, oh, I was part of the third battalion. But it was really touching to hear him say Clone Force 99. I like that idea that, you know, there's the 501st and all this kind of stuff. And that Clone Force 99 was this battalion. And he see, saw himself as a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't just say like, oh, I've, I've always worked on I, my own. I also... Or I worked in a special operatives. He was a battalion. He was a part of them. And the fact that he says... They're gone now. The, yeah, and he doesn't say they're dead. And Mayday assumes they're dead, which is quite sad. And he acts as if they're dead, which is quite sad. It's even sad. I also, just before that moment, when they're introducing each other, when he goes, I'm Mayday. Yeah. And then, you know, Crosshair takes that beat mm. before he answers, because I almost feel like, is it, do I give him my CT number? Yeah. Well, the, the scientist at the end says, you know, all Crosshair, if you would prefer that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But prior to that, he's just 
Mm. You're the CT number. Your name's yes. not cross it. You don't have names. Yes. Your yeah. CT numbers, you know? Yeah. And it's that split second of like, do I give him my CT number? And then he mm. goes, cross her. Yes. And then he says yeah. the name. And I just thought, you know, it's it's only one beat, but it's a really powerful beat mm. and it speaks volumes. And that's why I think for me, again, the big themes of like nature and what we said about like animals and, you know, what I really love about this is what you were saying earlier is like, they know the audience they're speaking to. And a lot of this might be like clutching at straws, but I think a lot of it is either intentional or influenced or just speaks to the kind of like idea of what we said before about Clone Wars and all these shows like, oh, it's like that. It's like this moment in Star Wars, it's like this. There's so much things that like give you vibes and links to so many other themes and moments in Star Wars. So like you said, the ice vulture, it's the idea of death looming over, which I think is true. But one, I think, again, a lazier show would have had it so like, oh no, he's killed this man. What's he going to do? Vulture sweeps down, yeah, jumps on him and flies away or something. Whereas again, nope, that vulture just keeps circling. And like you said, he's looking at him, seeing himself reflected in that. But also, you know, we think about where else have we seen like, you know, situations like this. We even go back to Clone Wars, Trespass, one of the first, mm. you know, like episodes which we see. Similar situation, clones are out on like a remote base they've been killed by the local savages not the clones fault they're just wrapped up in this war we've got like a guy you know pompous man who comes in being like oh clone listen to my order yeah. what are you doing here it's you understand what mayday is talking about if you are a clone wars fan in the sense of like yeah we've kind of seen this before we've seen with uh what was his name the deserter you know when he oh cut yeah so the fact that like he was pushed to leave you know the army we've seen this idea of like clones being alienated and forced out by what they've seen you know fives you know especially so the fact that you know trespass in many ways this episode like is almost a link back to that you know this cold desolate world in which you know like clones have been left to fend for themselves and mm -hmm. like you know literally like death in a graveyard in which vultures are like flying above them and which mayday again is like you know i kind of respect that thing you know like so they understand survived, it yeah. and they're all there wrapped up i love their armor oh, so i love cool. that, that I, it's... I want an action figure of mayday like, yes i need that yeah. yeah i think that that you know it, it all just speaks to the fact that what i said was that they're forgotten soldiers they're wrapped up they're cracked they're faded which again is very much the vibes of this entire show and what we've been saying with other elements Cameron owens you know lots of things that the forgotten and the people who continue to be themselves until the bitter end in which they die or do you become a robot like potentially like uh, yeah or uh, what was again the scorch you know like oh, just scorch, like standing yeah. there as people are literally being arrested for no reason so i think that that's telling but also you look at the animal theme again what other circling animal have we seen a lot before? Ahsoka, that owl is always like flying about. Which represents life. Exactly. So to have that and death, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. So it's I like love poetry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And where else have we also seen that owl flying above in a snowy location? A graveyard in which loads of clones died at the end of season seven, uh, where yeah. Darth Vader picked up the lightsaber. All of this just reminded me of so many other moments in animation and stuff in which I was like, this is like a season seven ending, you know? Know, again a clone graveyard an animal helmets, circling yeah, helmet, you know yeah. the helmets you know the fact that there's an animal circling above which be needs is a symbol of light or darkness life or death and as if it's a reflection of that character a lot of people say that that owl is like an embodiment of well one the daughter but also like ahsoka herself and again it's like 
uh, Crosshair is looking at himself in in that moment or what he has become. So, so what you're saying, Dave, is that by the end of the Ahsoka show, Ahsoka mm. will take on the role as the daughter and Crosshair yes. will take on the role as the son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, to have the fact that we've got the Mythosaur, this ice vulture and the Zillow beast all within the same like week. I'm like, this can't be a coincidence. There seems to be so much commentary around like animals, nature. And again, even subtly, we're talking about myth in two, general. two stories and to a degree and, or if you want to loop that in, no Jedi, no force stuff in the past few months of star Wars content, but it is there subtly. It's that idea of like yeah. life and death believing in something a, a higher power something that's there calling you it's almost as if like crosshair has that moment at I the think, end you know? i think i'm not saying you are but i think sometimes people mistake jedi mm. with philosophy yeah, yeah which is just what the jedi follow it, the jedi yeah. philosophy doesn't necessarily have to involve jedi no you yeah. know it's just the spirit of what george lucas from the very beginning was trying to say yeah and which is shown in other characters like the witches etc that's another side another of the side force of you know it's like showing and to some degree uh and even, it in the well yeah i was just going to say even like um Jin's mom yes <laughs> you know, <who's> just <laughs> yeah. like trust the force you know yeah, yeah it's just as just like being religious i guess and having yeah. a faith like yeah and when Pelimoto in Mandalorian, like, may the, the force, force be, be with you. you. And like yeah. the guy says it in the rebellion for some reason, you're like, Are you a Jedi? I don't know. Like it's, you know, it's just, just like yeah. those things people say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So oh there we go. I love it, man. I love it. So um let's get on to any like cool action moments of this episode. I think, you know, uh Crosshair and Mayday taking out the Raiders. Mm. Pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because again, it gives you that Star Wars vibes of like, even though I've complained about pirates and stuff in the past you know i think the fact that they're clearly here to serve a specific purpose and the fact that they're there like speaking this language and they've all got these like helmets on mm. so they work effectively as the kind of like you know faceless army of this and episode i have to say as well in that scene there was some brutal violence yeah, like yeah. just crosshair shoot somebody in the head like yeah psh, like john wick level style and i was like i was like okay i guess you know, this show has always been kind of a darker edge, mm. you know, dark and gritty. I hate, yeah. those, I hate those words now because they just get overused. Mm. Um, but I just feel as if, okay, we're going there. We're, we're, yeah. we're stepping, we're seeing how far we can push the boundaries of like Star Wars animation and how it's like the audience is geared towards. So mm. I just found that kind of interesting. Um, and one thing that we, we don't actually speak a lot about this in, in Mandalorians, but which is surprising considering I'm a sound designer, mm -hmm. um, is that, again, it's just every element of, of the show is just working so mm. well. And in particular, the sound design and Foley I found mm. in this episode, The Outpost, yeah. just the crunch of the snow. Mm. And even yeah. like something as simple as like um, the handling of weapons, like Crosshair's gun and mm. stuff, when he takes it off, just carrying it, you hear the yeah. clicks and stuff like that. The like thermal detection when the, you hear that, like, yeah, you know, like all these little details that just add, it's just extra detail that just gives this so much more life. The sound design and Foley in this episode was really well done, even down to the avalanche. And that, mm. that was so epic as well. That was yeah. And like you said, is this episode was also testament to the kind of like use of lighting, especially like with the, the orange light of when they're at the barracks um, and the, you know, the characters there, you see with Mayday, you know, how he's affected by all the clones that he's been with, you know, when he comes back and he says, you know, 
oh, you know, these these men died, you know, and, you know, he feels that, you know, each one of them was his brothers and, you know, that they all had a name, etc. Um, that orange lighting giving you that idea of, like, you know, the intimacy, the band of brothers around the campfire, and then later on, the fact that, like, uh, Crossfire and Mayday are then stuck in this, like, cold, desolate cave tunnel, and, you know, he's sorting out the mine which i thought was a really great oh, tense so good, but yeah. like you know like great uh, and character it's just so oh yeah yes, he's yeah. working on the mine you know, yeah. quite chill like. uh you know and when he walks away it's quite dark as well i love the way that he flips around on him is just like i don't want to have to carry your dead body away and you know when he says like uh if I hear the explosion, I know that you haven't made it, etc. Yeah. And the cross, and he's like, "I love your confidence." He's like, "I'm confident, but I'm not stupid." <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So I like when Cross as well has that moment of like, one, he has to trust him as well. I think that speaks a lot to their relationship. Of like you said, he's a bit standoffish when he first meets him, but that mind scene forces him to connect to him. He wants to stay like, "Okay, you just do your thing, I'll do my thing," but he's like, "His life is literally in my hands now. What do I do? I need to then connect to him." That's the moment he opens up. Clone Force 99 is, you know, who he's part of. And then almost he owes his life to him. They go through that battle with the scavengers. You see, you know, things brighten up then. You know, you've got the campfire of them, but it's the glow of, like, the action, you know, mm -hmm. like the bl blazer blast. Interestingly, I think there has been commentary, isn't it, before, that, like, red is, like, the villains usually have for laser blasts and blue are the good guys. Here it's like blue on both sides, so again it's almost as if clones like two. Clones, yeah. Well, no, well, the scavengers. Not yeah, not so the fact that like it's like two sides, they should really be on the same side. They just want to survive, but they've been forced to fight and kill each other because of somebody like Nolan who's just forced them into this and, situation. Yeah, and you know th this episode is not, it's not interested in doing that. But mm. there, there, there is another version of this episode where you find out more about those scavengers and you yeah. find out maybe why yes, yeah. they're stealing from the Empire and stuff mm. like that. There would be a reason for it. It's not trying. To, it's not telling that story, but you can see it that there would be yeah. a story there to explore that. Yeah, so I think, again, it shows the visual, how the visuals, the cinematography is also doing a lot of storytelling and giving us a lot of the epic. Like I said, like sometimes we're like, this could be a film, this could be a movie in which the types of shots and the emotions and reactions that we're Did seeing. This, this, I think if this was actually, I, I don't want to say the word R-rated, but I think if it was more adult, we would have seen a shot in the back of that guy's head yeah, as yeah. opposed to like chest with nothing on the other side. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree, I think. Uh, they, they were trying to push the line there. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for, for me, I actually thought with this episode, it almost felt like a short film. Mm, yeah. you know it had its own sort of beginning middle and end its own journey mm. you can almost watch this on its own like a mm. like a tales of the jedi sort of episode you know yeah. just watch this one story and get a lot out from it i think yeah. it's fantastic um, i think the sad thing in my mind is like where are all these like defactors going you know like will there be the council of clones headed up by rex just like here we have tech, you know, like myself. Here's Cody. Here's Hauser. Here's Cody. Like these are, you know, and here's Mayday. All different types of clones. All had different war experiences, but with the same goal of protecting oh, no. their, they're protecting their brothers, etc. No, that's this is what I'm saying. <laughs> so my, that was the vision going in, being like, oh, well, they setting this guy up for. Maybe he'll be like, you know, joining up with Cody, etc. This is what they're setting up. Oh, what's the guy in Rebels as well, which they rescued in season one? You know, like, oh, I'm. Uh, uh, Oh, um, there's Wolf, and then he's Gregor. Gregor, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he could have oh, been. We one got of... a big one. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, I was expecting. Oh, maybe this is what we're setting up all these like kind of like traitor clones for. There's going to be some sort of council or you know assembly of the A team of the clones, and then oh, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Oh, 
That's unfortunate. <laughs> that's, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sad episode. But, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, I'd, I'd be interested to see where things go in terms of bringing Cody and Rex. Because I'd be interested... Uh, well, Cody, Rex, and Echo. Um, I'd be interested in what you think of the concept I thought about during this. Is that potentially this might now be the end of Crosshair episodes in the sense they seem to have taken him to a location in mm-hmm. which the Bad Batch will also end up... Um, I don't know if we'll have a Nala say crosshair focused episode. Maybe they're in jail together or something. But um, yeah, I can't imagine there's much reason to focus purely on him again. But could you see a Rex Echo episode happening? Just them. Especially something like this, which ends like send it to Rex and Echo. I could either see him going one way of being like, they're always in the background. You're hearing about what's happening only via the Bad Batch. Or I don't know if we'll evolve to... It's, it depends so much on how this season ends. I don't know if I want them to say say yeah. the Bad Batch go to Tantive, they all get captured or something. Who's going to save them? Echo and Rex show up. It might be a bit cheesy. Or is it something like they all get captured and then next season we get, you know, first few episodes with Rex and Echoes trying to break them out or something like that? Or would we again have these like singular episodes yeah, like Cross here? I, I do I can't, I can't answer that. <laughs> Just they, the episode yeah. title will come up, The Hot Clone. The and hot it's, clone. it's about them oh, getting... Hauser. Ha- yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to rescue Hauser. Okay. Sorry, Lon. Like, <laughs> um, no, you know what? I honestly can't answer that, day. I don't know. Because there's a part of me that's like, I can totally see them doing it. And there's another part of me that's like, oh, I don't quite know. And maybe unless another member tagged and, along or something and like that. And do you know what's the... It, it, you could almost look at it like, <laughs> like the Mando episode of like Mando getting called, go get Bo-Katan yes, to help me. Yeah. I could imagine a situation where maybe Wrecker, Hunter and Tech get mm. caught and Omega gets away and then goes and finds Echo and Rex. Possibly, yeah. I wouldn't want it like that where she <laughs> suddenly jumps halfway through the galaxy in 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I think... What is interesting about that, though, is that we don't know because, again, that's the beauty of the show. In one way, because it's less popular, there's less said about it. I think it's also an animation thing that you can keep more secret because there's not people on sets and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly. You're, you in know, a, you're in a room. <laughs> uh, a voice actor's been cast. Great. Who you know? Who cares? Rosario Dawson. Who, who's, who's Rosario Dawson in Star Wars? Blah, blah, blah. So I think that, again, that's what's interesting about watching this compared to, uh, to Mando we got to see, oh my God, it's the Zillow Beast. Imagine where's like Mando, Ahsoka, you know, half of these shows are already spoiled for us often. Mando, always talking about Mando has, I think, actually benefited this year in the sense of you don't seem to know actually what's happening, which was unlike season two in which we seem to know pretty we, much we, yeah, we. everyone who was showing up. But I think ba- Bad Batch still does have that advantage of being like the Zillow Beast is a fantastic surprise, which was, wasn't going to be spoiled because how would it and who would care in the mainstream media about that and i think that's the same for the rest of the show I would say we don't know what's coming we don't know what the future i would say most star wars fan you but oh my god the zero beast was in battle batch they'd be like the what now yes (laughs) but even i think something like andor there's still an element of like oh well we know andor is going to die eventually we know the season two is going to be like more building up rebellion mando just because in its predictability of the way it tells a story which again i'm not saying is a bad thing there's still an element of like, okay, well, we know that there's maybe going to be a happy ending for Grogu and him, or there's going to be some more like bond of, you know, like maybe Grogu's going to be become more of a Mandalorian, whatever. That We know a bit more of the trajectory. But this show is really a mystery because we're dealing with largely all the characters we don't know anything Which, about, apart well, from Rex. Well, they also have to kind of die by, you know, yeah. they're, they are 
um, was it en enhance aging? Yes. Yeah. So they they live. The, yeah. I was thinking about that. that uh, does let's the, not get into that. Does the bad because batch. I, I let's not get. I've thought about this a <laughs> yes. lot, and I've had a lot of discussions. Right. Let's not get into okay. that because we'll be here for another two hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just thinking of the line with Omega where she said that she washed. That them, is a conversation for the after party at celebration. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> come, come back to me with that after a couple of beers, and yeah. then we'll talk. Like. <laughs> Uh, the aging process of clones. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, let, let's wrap it up then with a couple of more last little bits. Um, I think um, there was no comedy <laughs> in, in, in this. There's not. There was. I struggled to find something funny <laughs> to say, like because you don't even have text lines or anything. I guess but Mayday has a few. Yeah, I, I, there's two. I got. Mm. You had the Mayday one, which I kind of hinted at earlier. So the line is, "You must be our reinforcements. We expected you 36 rotations ago." Did you get lost? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just like that one. And then the other one, which is uh, uh, on Lieutenant Nolan, <laughs> when it, when they when they land and they come out of the ship and he slips on the ice <laughs> and then he blames the trooper. Yeah. He's like, "You got the ship." <laughs> I was like, "You the asshole." Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there's just some classic funny, like, like I've embarrassed myself. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I just it's hilarious. And also his line to him like, "How many missions have you led?" Lieutenant Nolan is just like, yeah. Yeah, zero. <laughs> zero, yeah, zero. Do you have any other uh, thing you'd like to say about these last two episodes before we head on? No, I think it does really cover it, really, like I said. It's just so much, like, great themes, great, you know, like, kind of compelling stuff, great storylines. Can't wait to see where it goes. So, yeah, and I think, you know, I'm excited about next week. I think even if it was, it's like the Palpatine sort of episodes, even if we kind of went on some sort of, like, diverted story if it didn't kind of like pick straight up i wouldn't be too upset because you know these two have been so good mm. well we've got uh two more episodes weekly mm. and then we got a two-part finale so both episodes yeah. will be released in there so that's going to be exciting yeah. and i will say this on air right now mm. the bad batch after seeing this episode it has cemented as being my favorite star wars show of all time awesome clone wars and or rebel all of it yeah. This is it for me. This is just so damn good, Dave. Yeah. And I really connect with the show in ways I just couldn't believe I was connecting no. to. And again, I think it's that and that's where the buffet is interesting, in which I think, hmm, well, I don't know. When I think about Tales of the Jedi, when I think about Clone Wars, but they're also different in so many ways. And that's yeah. where it's harder for me to say, yeah, Bad Batch up there as my favorite show because it it's so different. So I'm and just glad that they're able to be in that higher tier of like, yeah, up there with Andor and stuff of some of my favorites, but could I pick between each one? Because they're no, so they're, different. They're you different. Know, I've so. even spoken to people who are shocked Yeah, when, when I say, I liked Andor, it's not my yes. favorite show. Yeah, And they're like, it's the best Star Wars show. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's execution is mm. a, it's a great show. Fantastic. Mm. I just, I can't watch a show like that every week. It hurts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot. It's just the it's the presentation next year. It's mm. just different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, anyway, let's get out of here, Dave. I think we have uh, two questions uh, before we head off. So one from Niall and one from our uh, friend Steph. I think with the one with Steph, we kind of already uh, mm. covered. You know, he asked, should we just have cross in every episode <laughs> with or without the batch? I think we kind of discussed it. We like maybe but i think the way they've approached it this season has worked really well so yeah. i'm gonna say no steph not every episode yeah. Yeah. sorry i think in this i understand in the sense of maybe he's saying all the best episodes are just the crosshair ones it, yeah. so i would maybe advocate for 
more crosshair style episodes, sure. If you want, like I said, if you want to do something with Rex and Echo, I would be interested in that. Not sure if it'd work if it was just Hunter or something like that. But or but I would be open to an Omega gets lost and she's on her own sort of episode. Whatever. That'd be great, yeah. You know, so I think that I'm open to more singular character stories and I want to see more of Crosshair, but I'm and I'm still open for another Crosshair Focus episode, but I think three would be the limit for this season. I, but I, I, agree, but I yeah. think still use him sparingly. Mm, I agree. I think as how they've used it sparingly is why those episodes have been yeah, so good. And exactly. And next week you wouldn't want it to be like Crosshair starts some clone rebellion yeah. in like Tantive. He's just on the medical bed, like trying yeah. to <laughs> like but you wouldn't buy into like an immediate change of him now being no. like, right, I'm leading the force. You know, it's like we were saying about Kino uh with Andor. It's like it was a a build a build up yeah. to that moment and you know, mm. and, and he was spurred on by and or and the other prisoners whereas you know maybe crosshair needs something like that like a certain bad batch <laughs> yeah and then um from nile and uh Niall was actually super excited to send us a question because he was i never normally get to ask questions because <laughs> yes. he's all, normally on the show uh so he asks the bad batch is a spin-off from a clone wars arc mm. what minor characters from if any from clone wars would you pick for a dedicated series i i throw this to you first day as mm. you big clone wars guy yeah so is there any minor character or anything that you'd like, I'd like to see a show at? I wouldn't want to see a show, to be clear. But one thing I did think about with the Zillow Beast thing and the scientists, I would I just would be interested if they just brought this in as just a fun thing, is the scientist that was in the Zillow Beast arc would be fun to see her again. She was some like fish like an alien. I'm not saying she should have a series, but if they want to do that whole like bring a character back, the fact that she was there and it, like, uh, researching the beast it would be a fun thing to be like oh look it's her again like like center chuchi or something like that so it was just a good moment to bring that up mm-hmm. uh with that but as far as a show dedicated dedicated to a character i would say ventress <sighs> very good yeah. show i think that you could very almost do what they've done with bad batch and go let's do the book but expand on that and let's draw it out and let's see where else she goes and let's see more adventures with Quinlan or the Jedi, etc. I think, et I think a, like, a great like one-off limited series, is that what they yeah. call these off nowadays? Yeah, but like, similar to Bad Batch, I think you could still, you or could like go. Andor, you could do a few because she was a bounty hunter. There's plenty of stories to tell there, so I think that that would be quite fun. Granted, you'd have limited timeline in the actual story, or maybe they could even, you know, be like, oh, maybe she's not dead and maybe she has well, survived we'll or something see. like that. She is such a fascinating character and she evolved and became such a compelling character by the end and such a great performance as well. Um, I would love to see more of her because I think, you know, someone like Maul would be an obvious choice, but it's like he has We've had seen. his arc and yeah. he's had such an effective one. Um, I think that whereas Ventress if still felt like we were robbed a bit of like what there's we could a, I have think, seen. I think there's a lot of story there to tell with her. Yeah, yeah so I, I would love to see her return um, as opposed to maybe a an, an more obvious choice would be someone like Hondo or something. But, Hondo! Yeah, okay, but yeah. Ventress I think would be my, my go-to. <laughs> Just yeah, go to Galaxy's Edge and meet him there. No, I love that. I wouldn't want to, because I think Hondo is best used as a supporting yeah, character I mean. in like with the dynamics with the other characters yeah. solo show yeah i would love to see hondo in that skeleton crew show <laughs> that would be great and I, I you know i'm i'm hoping he pops up in bad batch at some point i just feel as if it makes mm. sense for him to pop up bad yeah batch. but anyway um i've got 
I've got two answers. I've got uh, a serious answer and a joke answer. Okay. <laughs> um, my serious answer is is very similar to yours. It's Quinlan Voss. Mm, um, okay. But and I kind of thought of Quinlan, but my initial idea was like something akin to the Bad Batch, a story of this transition mm. of the uh, the Republic into the Empire but from a surviving Jedi perspective. Yeah. A survivor of Order... And I'm not talking about a survivor of Order 66 five, ten years after Order 66, like mm. we see with Cal Kestis and Kenobi yes, in the show. Yeah. So right after... I want to see that. Like, yeah. they are on the run. And something yeah. that I would love to see, which I think is quite good storytelling potential, is, as you know, I have major problems with the Inquisitors, but who were hunting these Jedi immediately after? We know that the clones were after them during Order 66, but who went after them two days afterwards, well, three days well, afterwards? This is the thing. I always grew up because the films implied yeah. that it was Vader. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so. so, you know, you'd, you'd see Vader. And, and again, not live action, but make it animated. It, mm. it, you could work. You could do it. Yeah, I and, think that would be fun. Uh, interestingly, just when you bring up Voss, I saw a thing the other day and it said, "This your birth month is your Jedi Master. And mine was Quinlan Voss for December. Nice. Yours was Windu. <laughs> oh, <I would laughs> so that's why I didn't I show it to you because I thought Quinlan this Voss. will upset Jake. <laughs> I, I would have preferred Quinlan Voss because we know he survives at least up to the timeline of Kenobi because, you know, he sees that etching. On the you thing. might have gone down a Dooku route if your master had been Windu. You would have been... You know, like, I think so. Yeah. I think so. It, it, <laughs> you would have been alienated by his it, views. It wouldn't have been good for anyone. No. no. And then my joke answer is uh, Bieber Gascon <laughs> and the Domino Squad. <laughs> Just because I know it will piss people off. <laughs> yeah. It's George's favorite arc. <laughs> I'm going to give it some credit. Some, I think I, tell I have you, seen something about that, though. I, I tell I you what. Something, yeah. I, I will absolutely love it mm. if they bring back Bieber Gascon. Yeah. For one I episode of Bad Batch or something, yeah. bring it on. I swear I've seen something about that, which is like they're thinking of doing a kid show or something, more like that Young Jedi hey, Tales. I don't know. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. I'm all up for more me, Bruce. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine if Bad Batch wanted to bring him in, but also brought in the vibes of what these last two episodes have been, and they just find some abandoned ship. They're like, oh, there seems to be hey, a man. small creature in this droid. Oh, hey, hey, it's man. dead. <laughs> when, I was re when I was re watching The Clone Wars with my partner, and we got to those episodes, hey, me, Bruce gone is is considering suicide yeah. <laughs> it gets dark yeah, exactly in, in, that, in those arc i don't know why i could just imagine them doing that as a kind of like throwback and just tech like oh, oh. <laughs> okay there seems to be a frog in here fascinating <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah that those are my answers <laughs> Yeah, so, somehow I don't think Mibo Gascon joined the empire and was <laughs> no. an officer one because he's an alien two he's a bit out there for them he's a bit out there yeah Anyway, let's get out of here, Dave. Uh, that's it. I think we've covered about yes. everything we can cover on these two episodes. So uh, where can the people find and follow you, Dave? And what, uh, what you got going on in a minute? Uh, you can catch me over on Twitter at David Osger. Um, hopefully got some exciting projects coming up within the year, which I'll continue to shout out and talk about uh, on this podcast. But currently, the biggest one is also my podcast, Well Good Movies. Uh, which I host with Craig McDonald. Uh, we look at different movies every two weeks, um, each one linking to the previous one or to the next one. And uh, at the moment, we've been in quite a hive of like uh, buddy cop, police, futuristic, dystopian future, 80s, 90s movies, which now seems to be evolving into, again, more dystopian future 
action, violent stuff. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Death. <laughs> yes. Death everywhere. Um, well, you can't follow me anymore. Well, you can follow me, but <laughs> I, I, I won't respond to you online. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, at Sweaty Jake, if you want to. Uh, but apart from that, you can mainly catch the show, The Monday Lorians. We're on Twitter, at The Monday Lorians, and we're on we're on the other social sites, I think. We Just Twitter. I Just Twitter, I think. Oh, there we, we need to improve on that then. Yes, yeah. Uh, but you can also catch us on wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. And wherever you can, please leave a rating and a review or helps us go up in the rankings. And if you want to get more involved, you know, every week we put out a tweet for questions for the show. Please comment on those. Any questions you have about Bad Batch, Star Wars in general, bring it on. The funnier, the weirder, the better. Mm. You know, we, we yeah. like weird, funny questions that we can sink our teeth into. But we also like deep stuff as well. So please uh, get involved in that. Uh, and yeah, so Dave, what, do you, what would you say we should sign off with this week? We don't do this as the way anymore, but we'd like to come mm. up with a new one. Um, I would say, I would say, I didn't have much of a thought on this episode ending until it did. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>